0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lumen Industries Radio. This is a Severance Review Podcast brought to you by Mangum Talks. It's time to badge into Lumen, get in the elevator, wipe our memory, and get going on the episode. Spencer, how are you today? Doing fine, man. I feel like I've got even more. Questions have
1: now just increased exponentially. We're just multiplying questions with every episode, and I expect that's just how it's going to be.
0: Spencer's got questions. I am your host, Lee. I am here. I am ready to review episode two of season one of severance. This is titled half loop Spencer. What'd you think? Let, let's, so I know you got questions. I know we're trying to figure out this crazy world. There's a, there's a lot of questions and a lot of things to uncover about the story they're telling, but let's just talk quality for a second. What did were you entertained? Did you enjoy the episode? How are you feeling about the series thus far?
1: It's very well crafted. It's very well structured. It's very well acted. It has wonderful set and artistic design and vision. It's delightful satire of a corporate world in which I live in on a daily basis. This thing is my cup same. of tea.
0: Yeah, same. I, I really do appreciate the, some of the messages that they're telling about Work, it's particularly work culture in America, because we have a pretty particular work culture in America of just overdoing it and just living at work and work being our identity. And this, this show absolutely addresses that. It's, it's really enjoyable. I also enjoy the sets. I think that's a good call. I think that that, that is really, the show has a particular look. I'll tell you, I was, so I was in Best Buy the other day, which by the way, Best Buy, now just stinks at customer service. Have you noticed this? You walk into Best Buy and they just put all the TVs on the floor and you're just just to grab <laughs> them and leave. And that's it. Like, there's nobody working at Best Buy anymore. No. You have to fire a flare to there. find someone. I'm waiting for like, I don't know, literally like a half hour to buy an iPad, right? And I'm in the Apple section of the Best Buy and they've got the Apple TV commercial on a television that they've set up there in the Best Buy. And on the loop of like Apple products that they're doing, they do flash – a severance commercial. And what I noticed is that w- with one or two seconds of seeing footage of the show, you'd know it's severance. Like it's got a particular look that as soon as it flashed up, I was like, boom, that's severance. I know it.
1: That's branding right there. That's well done branding.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely noticed that too. And I think, I think it, it separates the show. It sticks out in your mind. Uh, I am glad you're enjoying it. I I really, really enjoyed this season one. So let's talk about segments here. We're going to do on Lumen Industries Radio. We will do the re- recap. I will lead the recap. I've got my notes right here. I'm ready to go beat by beat through it. Then we will jump into best line of the episode. That's best line of dialogue of the episode. I am God Emperor of that segment. I am the Mr. Milchick of the segment. Spencer, <laughs> Irv that he is, will supply me with a bunch of nominees and I will select one. Then we'll go Award Employee of the Week. We're handing out melon parties today. It's really exciting. We'll give somebody employee of the week. And then we will go to America's favorite segment, Spencer's Questions of the Week, where Spencer posits questions. I may, may not answer them, may partially answer them, may muse. I don't know what I'll do to the questions, but Spencer will ask them. You are really enjoying the role reversal that is this show, right? Where you've got all
1: the advanced knowledge, all of the expertise, all of the just wisdom of God to bring to bear. And I'm just found, floundering my way through each moment.
0: Yeah, I am, particularly because of the type of show that this is, where it really is mystery box storytelling and you're trying to uncover it. it it's, it's very Twilight Zone in that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'll say this, I don't envy your position, uh, because I, I'm not sure. If you just showed me the first two episodes of the show, I I, I don't know, I'm not sure I could wait week by week. You know how I am. I just devour everything, and I just can't. I have no self control. Like I would just probably blow through it, and then like do what you do on the Harry Potter podcast. I'd just lie that I haven't read ahead, <laughs> Shut and up. it would it would really adversely affect the quality of the show. But I, I trust that in this show, you're not watching ahead.
1: It, it, me, I've got a duty, podcast professional. The fact I've convinced my girlfriend Bridget to also wait for me each week. Took all of the efforts and all of the determination on her part to have that kind of shared experience. Don't know how she's doing it.
0: See, my wife would be very frustrated with me with that. She's like, wait a second. Because you're doing some podcast thing, I can't watch the show. No, 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 no. That's not how it works.
1: Conversation started that way. It somehow found a different ending.
0: Look at you. Persuasive guy that you are. Yeah, you're the you're the Dylan of our podcast. You just you're, you're the glue. You're holding it together. You're the persuasive guy. I'm so interested in your thoughts on the characters, but let's let's figure those out in the mm-hmm. recap. Anything else you want to cover before we jump to the recap? Let's get into it. OK, so if you're enjoying this podcast, we thank you for following us, you know, through the season a year after more than a year after the show has been has aired that, the, you know, that's that's commitment. We really appreciate you following us. And if you are enjoying the podcast, this is the last episode that will be cross-listed on our Succession and Lasso Lowdown podcast feeds. So if you're listening on Lasso Lowdown or you're listening on Line of Succession, you need to go over to Lumen Industries Radio and subscribe. Go over to the Lumen Industries Radio podcast feed and subscribe. That is where all the remaining episodes of our Severance coverage, which I dare say we will likely cover this show until the end of the show. um Fair. That is where every episode will come out. If you're liking – this podcast, and you want to hear other things that Spencer and I have talked about. Oh, 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 do I have a surprise for you? Spencer and I have been doing this a long time. We have a lot of material. We have reviewed a lot of television shows, movies, books, all kinds of things. You can check it out at MangumTalks.com or go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks; Those are the keywords. Ah, metadata. I tagged it. All the other podcasts feeds will pop up if you just type in Mangum Talks. That's all you got to do. So thanks for listening. Let's jump in the recap here. This is Severance, episode two, Half Loop. The Previously On Explains... A number of things. I like to focus on the previously on because it generally tells us what we're supposed to think about,
1: right? What to remember for this week.
0: So explains the severed floor concept. Focus mm-hmm. on Petey. Freedom to service here is a line that they gave us in the recap. Mark skipping they the preamble. Did. They it up the preamble. Ellie, Ellie throwing things at him. Access to my memories are spatially dictated. Businessman in the yard last night. I'm Petey. I'm from work. Nothing down there is, as they say, and Mrs. Selig, the reveal at the end of episode one. So that's the previously on. We jump in. So there's a warning about flashing lights. So we're dealing with a particular, we may, may get a seizure this episode at Lumen. And I'll tell you this, if you do get a seizure during the podcast, Spencer, I will take you to wellness for an hour and you can hear some facts about your Audi.
1: I would love to know the affirmations that you would offer me about myself at that kind of event. (laughs)
0: What what would you present
1: about me? Spencer is a competent podcaster who occasionally offers meaningful commentary on certain subjects.
0: Spencer, your Audi is a great podcaster. Your Audi works a lot. Your Audi never has a shirt with a collar that isn't wrinkled. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey,
1: that's a, that's a, that is framed with other very positive things. I will take it in that line. Your
0: Audi is going to Con of Thrones and I would just say that over and mm-hmm. over again to try to make it, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> So we start yeah. with uh, Heli's recording. I will be unable to access outside recollections whilst on Lumen's severed access floor. I am aware this alteration is comprehensive and irreversible. We see her having recorded it, and Mr. Melchick then takes her from the recording room. So what we're getting here is a flashback to El Heli's first day to when it's still her Audi, and she recorded this message.
1: And again... But you talked about last episode that what kind of person comes into this? The question that, you know, Petey and Mark were debating. Like, what kind of person signs up voluntarily for severance? You offered that, you know, maybe a certain person more along the lines of what we see of Audi Mark. Depressed, wants to avoid aspects of their life in a very gating-off kind of sense. At least from the image we're getting of Heli interacting with Mr. Milchick, she does not seem that way, at least right now. She That's- seems rather pleasant and upbeat.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a couple little clues here about Heli and her Audi. Um, he's talking to her as they walk. So your work personage will be waking in a few hours on the severed floor. But the next time, you yourself will be sent to It you- will be this evening at the elevator. Back up. The elevator has a handrail at hip level if you feel dizzy. Heli is sort of laughing along as he says this. I don't know if you caught that. She's sort of mm-hmm. like kind of sees it. It almost feels like she's not taking this very seriously. She is not. And they are walking in a building with a lot of floors and this sort of exposed atrium, kind of like an embassy suites, you know, like where the the exposed atrium inside.
1: Very much an embassy embassy suites feel of this, an old embassy suites, one they've not updated for like three or four decades, kind of embassy suites.
0: I got to say this about the embassy suites. If you are on a work trip, this is Uncle Lee to the kids. I'm bringing the segment back. If you are on a work trip and embassy suites is within your per diem range, book it. Just booking. It. It's a reliable thing. Yeah. First off, you get the you get the breakfast in the morning. You get the living room, which is nice. I mean, it's a you, you, the two rooms in a hotel room is clutch. Having the living room and then the bedroom. I say go to the Embassy Suites. That's Uncle Lee to the kids. <laughs> this is this is Lee's two and a half star hotel recommendations. Yeah, there you go. Well, I I said within your per diem range. So I'm not even talking <laughs> about big, big money people like you. I'm talking about us, us plebes and government work. So they stop and admire the image of the old man, Mr. Milchick. I love seeing the sunrise on his face. You know, he used to drink three raw eggs with milk every morning. I've heard. His favorite breakfast. She says, I've heard. So, Lee? Yeah. Lee, what,
1: what is Mr. Egan's favorite breakfast? Three raw eggs with milks every morning? I wonder what... The- something is coming back to mind from a prior severed moment of my experience of when someone else asked that question to a certain heli yeah
0: it's interesting right and it, what's interesting the to test. me what's interesting to me is that her outie goes i've heard it's like whoever this guy is is ubiquitous it's, he's known like she she doesn't stop and go well who is he or any of that she it, it, it's assumed that she knows who he is
1: is he, we hear referred to another Egan later, Uh I wrote down his first name, but it'll come to me in a minute, but is this Egan, the one that's on the wall, still alive? Because the implication here is like he's, you know, the founder of a cult or religion that has now long since passed, but is still being honored. But is he actually still around?
0: I don't know. It's, these are questions. We'll get there. Then we see Helly <clears throat> with surgeons over top of her and they cut into her scalp. They say it doesn't hurt. Just relax. Is that Mr. Milchick in surgery with her?
1: Mr. Milchick is there in surgery with a camera in a bag taking pictures.
0: Yep. We see them uh, move her scalp aside, a pretty gross scene, and drill into her head. And we see them use a Lumen-branded scalpel, and they have a container with a plastic lid on it that says Severance Microchip Technology with a barcode, and the name Lumen Advanced Technologies on it. They open the container, and there's a microchip in it that they put Mm -hmm. into some sort of syringe-type instrument and they eventually put that into her brain which
1: shoots in there and then spreads little wings once it gets in place which yep. i have so many questions from this scene
0: well the little wings are necessary for any sort of implant right because otherwise it'd move Statement, around it there, right um then we see heli um and mr Melchick tells her he'll be upstairs to tell her how it went and she says sorry if i freak out on you a little i she does a couple references to this her audi does mm-hmm and I think that, I think that Heli knows, I think when she's, here's the thing. This is my, my, my thought on this is that when Heli he, is thinking about the severance procedure and just waking up somewhere, she knows herself well enough to know she's going to be a pain in the ass about it. <laughs> she
1: probably hasn't told them that like during her interview, like there's not been a full on forewarning and now realizing that she's trying to tease that information out subtly, just like, you know, oh, well, I told you, I, I told you it might be an issue without explicitly telling him it was going to be an issue.
0: It'd be like if you were getting a severance procedure, you would look at Mr. Milchick and you would say, you're going to want to be very detailed about what you tell me, because if you <laughs> if you slip on any detail or if you're inconsistent in any way, I'm fairly sure my inny's going to call you out on it.
1: It's like you, You've seen how much of a di- generally difficult, difficult and brittle person I am right now. Take away all aspect of the frontal lobe, and then experience me. I yeah. will audit whatever you tell me.
0: Dot your eyes, cross your t's for any Spencer, for sure.
1: <laughs> I gotta ask, by the way, have you ever had a local procedure done? Yes. I have not. I've always, I've, I've even. Not in my options. head. Not in my brain. Been, uh, no. Different category. Yes. I, I, I've been even given the option, would you prefer to be local or knocked out? And I went straight, just knock me out. I do not want to be here to experience the surgery with
0: you. See, that's how they get you. First off, it's more expensive to get knocked out. Second is way more dangerous, way I, more dangerous to well, go under well, anesthesia.
1: They told me that, and I still went, Eh, no, I'm good. I've been knocked yeah, out. I, At that I, point, I've been knocked out six times in my life. So it's like, what's one more? They could be
0: cutting my leg off if they offer, if they offer local, I'm doing local. Like I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like the idea of being knocked out because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of death.
1: I, I do not need to have small talk with someone who actively is inside me in that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a lot. Isolate that. So then uh so when Mr. Milchick uh when she says to Mr. Milchik, sorry if I forgot on you a bit, he says, Don't worry, I'm very excited to meet you. He takes a picture of her. Spencer noted that. Kinda strange, right? That he's got a camera there. He's taking a picture of her during surgery.
1: He really well again to what degree does he just really enjoy the process or to what degree is he effectively the experimental note taker and we see, I don't know maybe both
0: and we see the implant going into the syringe going go into her brain and we see from the scan it's being put in very deep it looks near the like the um the base of her brain stem basically like you know, maybe like the medulla oblongata like area like in the very back um in, in her brainstem, stem and it and it sits there for sure and the and what what stuck out to me and the question I I have questions. This is questions with Lee. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did Petey get this thing out? I don't know. If Petey's that son of gotten bitch it was out. deep in there. Well, he had something, right?
1: I think Petey has disabled it. Is my assumption because I don't think one gets that out. I don't. I also think that part I of what thought we're he was
0: bloody because p- he'd gotten it out.
1: I, 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 we we saw him bleeding through his nose, but I kind of interpreted that as almost. We'll get to that scene, but I almost interpreted that as the, um, either the residual effects of it not being perp- perfectly disabled or. That the company itself is still sending signals to it to try to force him to come back or expose himself.
0: See, I don't think I don't think this is me like giving you a spoiler or something. This is me just screwing up the details. I th- I just thought I had it in my head at this point in the series that he had somehow taken it out, but you, you're probably right that that's been left a little vague. Um, well, one thing I got to
1: say: How in the hell does Heli not feel this? Not 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 during the surgery. Obviously, it's the local, but afterwards. That's substantial, this is going to ache for a few days kind of surgery.
0: You know, it it probably does, but dude, if your head's hurting and you think there's no reason for your head to hurt, are you going to say anything about it?
1: It's me. Yes, I'm gonna complain.
0: Well, yeah, you'll bitch. But like the average person probably will just go, "Well, I got a little bit of a headache," but we we'll, won't we'll think to mention it. That that might be what's going on here.
1: It, or it's another insidious effect of that getting that implant in. If, it's, if we know it's affecting your emotions and your, how you perceive reality, we see more of that later. Maybe it's also affecting even just your perception
0: of pain. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll get uh, more. Maybe more will be revealed. She blinks and we cut to her walking through a door and she's next to Mr. Milchick. Hi, Ellie. Great to see you. She's asking what's happened. Your orientation's been so much fun. Where am I? He says, okay. So (laughs) sometimes when a new hire is adjusting to a severed space, we help, Mm -hmm. we help by bringing them here to the stairwell to experience the transition viscerally.
1: Look at this kind of individual caring that this company is offering right now. You, you, you just you can't you can barely even imagine that in this day and
0: age. All right. So you didn't seem to have a lot of faith yeah. in Lumen Industries from Jump. It wasn't like you were a corporate man initially. These little micro lies, I do think, are telling. Uh, incredibly so. The, this the, there is a, a pondering
1: that Helly makes later on the subject of do the resignation notices ever actually make it to your Audi? If this scene doesn't confirm that, of course, they don't, you're a slave here, I don't know what else does. And they she, are she curtailing knows herself, reality as they, as they see fit.
0: Exactly. And she knows herself well enough to go, I'm trying to leave. It's interesting she has that.
1: Immediately, yeah. she accurately knows what's going on, and they have to lie to her to get her back in there.
0: No, no, no. It's all part of the process. If you want to spin around and head back in, that should be that. So. Okay.
1: Credit where it's due, by the way. You perfect. I don't know if whether you originally just is how you saw the scene or whether you had you know knowledge of what actually it was. But I was arguing with you about whether this was automatic or whether her Audi voluntarily came back in, and you perfectly accurately described it last episode. The Audi is going back in. With no small amount of influence from Mr. Milchick.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those where I I knew this scene was coming, but I also knew what I thought at the time, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I I was trying the best I could to tell you what I thought at the time, which I thought her Audi was making the decision to come back in. Um, So he opens the door. She walks back in. And we cut to just her walking back out again. So all we're getting in this scene is Audi Helly's perspective. And she just goes, what the hell? And he goes, it's okay. Not a problem. Want to give it another shot? Maybe just a little oomph? She runs runs back in, and that is a scene that we saw. We saw her flying back in, and he gets on the phone. And flying out. Tells someone it's going fair. She, and then we see Heli run back through and fall down as she comes back through the door. Milch I- turns around and sees her. says to the phone, the person he's talking to on the phone, I'm going to call you back. He says, wow, and picks her up and says, you're an inquisitive one.
1: It's interesting. Mr. Milchick's tone when he was making that phone call and discussing how the process of Heli adjusting is going, his tone for it's going fair speaks volumes that it isn't. This isn't normal. We saw him interacting no. with, I, I forget the name, what's the name of the female boss? Um, Cobel. Kobel. So he was interacting with Kobel. He seemed legitimately shocked about Helly trying to break out of the room, and that seems to carry through to this scene of, Heli's not behaving normally. Hey, no. Ellie's not behaving in a way maybe they've ever even seen before. And they're trying their best to roll
0: with it. I would say that is a fair read on what's going on. She accurately deduces what's going on. She says, I really don't want to be in there, do I? And mm-hmm. He says, you're learning that you do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's one interpretation of events.
0: I would be very disturbed by that line. You're learning that you do. That, what? That, that's con- I'm literally that, that, running full speed out of here now three times in a row like clearly against the advice of my Audi like something's going on in there
1: no the moment someone the moment I I, I wake up effectively on the floor from having burst out of the exit door have on the third now you know going in and out and someone tells me that line my immediate response is mm, no nope 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 I'm done I'm done clearly me to whatever degree I am me in there does not want this to happen, and the idea that I'm going to learn that I'm okay with it, not an acceptable solution to that problem.
0: So this sort of begs the question, why is Audi Heli continuing to go back in, right? Um,
1: Audi Heli isn't experiencing any of it.
0: So here is a line I want you to jot down, write down, think about, analyze, tell me. Mm-hmm. Melchick says, hey, when we heard you were coming here, it was like a miracle. It's amazing what you're doing. I have...
1: Uh, in moment, I process that line with just rank confusion, and it. it's not changed a day later.
0: Okay. Rank confusion. Hello. Uh, Helly then uh, walks right in, and we see the switch happen, and we get her perspective as she's in the elevator doors open. Hey, old timer. One day down. And it's Melchick there with flowers.
1: He got her flowers. Again, just the quality of the service this company offers.
0: I love the intro. The surreal nature of it aligns mm-hmm. with the vibe of the show.
1: This intro wasn't on the last episode, right? It was not. It was not
0: this-, this is the, this is the show intro. This, they followed the model of House of the Dragon. Remember House of the Dragon did yeah. not have the real show outro at episode one? Some shows do this. Um, this is the real intro and it is, I think, fabulous. The surreal nature of it. You know, you, there were moments in the first episode where you were like, is this kind of like, you were kind of hinting around, is this fucking real? Like, is this even mm-hmm. a real thing? And I think that the, the intro gives you that vibe. I love the music too. It's extremely good. Um, and it's it's the type of music that's wonderful for a show like this because it is noticeable with just a couple notes of a piano. Yeah. Right? A couple, two or three notes of the piano. And Very you know, much the, so. you know the theme is there. And I think that makes for a good intro.
1: I, again, I thought, I thought it was a stellar intro. It was not only surreal, it was disconcerting. You, you felt uncomfortable with it. almost felt dirty from it in terms of watching it.
0: I think that, effect, that hit the themes and feel I'm getting from the show pretty well. Yeah, the inside of the people's heads, stuff like that. mm didn't enjoy it. We see Mark walking into the office. He turns the lights on. He pulls out a piece of paper that says this. I got it all written down. Please. Uh, senior refiner morning checklist. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Refill the soap dispenser in the restroom. Sweep the floor using the carpet sweeper. Wipe down the desk surfaces in each cubicle. Dust the lumen compliance handbook and appendices. Return the vending machine tokens to JAR. Review employee lunches. Check refrigerator temperature. Acknowledge, Kier Egan portrait, verbally or silently. Cure. Inspect keyboard for weak keys. Self-assess, can I lead today, question mark.
1: I got to ask, you who effectively work as a senior upon senior refiner at your company what amount of these duties are part of your day daily experience
0: the last one only <laughs> it's i think I, that's I, a wonderful point and that's the that's why i wrote all these down and wanted to talk about it he is the leader of this group they are ostensibly doing important data analysis work for this company that's what they're being told and his job is to refill the soap dispenser wipe down the death surfaces. Is the implication here that the we'll work they're doing is so sensitive they can't even have a janitor in, in the premises?
1: Uh, maybe that's a justification that they can have for what otherwise makes zero sense that he's forming effectively not only just administrative, but also janitorial duties as part of his general routine as a manager. It's strange. It, it does not make sense. And let, that, that right there could be an effective cover story, because otherwise... The amount that these people just accept or just choose not to question or inquire further about, maybe through a certain degree of conditioning about what happens if you do, is baffling. That sheet alone would just make very little sense to me from prior experience in the corporate world.
0: But, yeah. So so I'll go ahead and address this now. i make the point later. But let's go ahead and talk about it now. When they wake up on the, on the conference room table, they have – they remember the English language.
1: They do. They remember states. They remember they states. They remember
0: some things. So there is a there is a timeline of shared memory with the iny and the Audi that at some point severs, at some point breaks. But there is a there is some shared memory between the two entities. There has to mm-hmm. be, otherwise they wouldn't know language, they're, right?
1: They're they're not newborn. They trans they Carry over a certain amount of baseline knowledge necessary to do a job.
0: And so the, to what degree that is curtailed, though, is a fascinating question. And so the question becomes, would they even remember that managers don't do this type of work? I don't know. Um, so he takes the list and smiles. We see him making the coffee, everything Lumen branded in this place. Of course.
1: Yes. Can't have anything outside.
0: Goes in the bathroom. He refills the soap. He sweeps the floor. He does the TV, the compliance manuals, and his glass image, Mark S. Allenton. He does the pictures <laughs> Then, he does the pictures it, on the shelf.
1: It's so noticeable how upbeat he is to do this. There's no begrudging element in no, this at all. No. He seems energized to do these steps each morning.
0: That part doesn't make sense to me. It's, is, it, is it an accurate description, though, of how he's acting? Yes. What doesn't make sense to me is he drinks so much and barely gets himself to the office in the morning. I don't know how that any isn't hurting. How is the Indy so spry and jumping around and not seemingly not feeling the effects of what the Audi's putting in the body the night before? I don't understand that part of
1: it. 100% with you and it was informing as well for me tying back to the whole surgery thing. This little implant is controlling more than just your perception of reality, your perception of like, you know, spatial, temporal separation. It's controlling how you view and experience reality, including with respect to things like pain, I think. I think it's able to literally just delete a hangover because that wouldn't be productive for a work setting.
0: That's the only thing I can think is that there is some other neurological effects that is blocking the innie from – because, I mean, Mark is giving his innie a hangover. Like that fucking body is wrecked when he gets there in the morning. We see his hands shaking in the morning in one scene coming up. But for some reason, we see him bouncing around, happy. You'll notice – Mark any in the morning hands, not shaking. So Mark. how the fuck does that work? Because when Mark it, it, it later is in the car and his hands are shaking, his hands are shaking because he's an alcoholic. He's physically dependent on alcohol. That's the mm-hmm. implication. But when he hits the elevator, whoop, he goes down, hand, stop shaking. As you've noted, dark circles, leave his eyes. He pops up. He's happy. He's smiling. That part makes zero sense to me. And I'm confused about it. That, those are, those are questions. Lee.
1: I, again, the effects of the implant, we do not fully understand it at this point, but it very much seems to have the ability to make not only just a, you know, a different aspect of the same person, but a completely different reality of a different person in terms of just how they go about their lives, how they, how they're living their life. They can't have any connection back to the prior world to make it so, they make it that kind of level of separated. And that apparently applies to also Audi Mark's general abuse of himself.
0: He does the pictures on the shelf of the staff and in doing so he sees Petey in the picture and stops for a second. Seems and his to face think falls. His face falls. He then takes all the pictures from the desk and he takes them into the storage room and seems to hide them. Then we hear, hey, it's Helly. So it's tomorrow now? Mark explains. It's a Monday. She's amazed a weekend quote just happened. That's how she says it. A weekend just happened? Because it's no how it would heal for to her, her, right? She says, I don't even feel like I left. He says, Yeah. That's how nights and weekends feel here. She says, like nothing. Mark says, well, you get used to it. I mean, I find it helps to focus on the effects of sleep since we don't actually get to experience it. You may feel rejuvenated or happy, less tense and the shoulder, spry. How does Mark feel these things based on the behavior we see of Mark?
1: They have no connection to an Audi. Mark thinks his Audi is just such a wonderful person that sets him up to such a great day each day. And Mark couldn't be more wrong. Mark, Mark should be thanking Lumen for. Inter- man, I feel dirty even saying that. Oh but in my terms gosh, of just big Like company, you
0: know,
1: man. In terms of like you know the head of steam in which he starts each day, Lumen gets the credit there. Not not Mark the Audi.
0: Do you think in Mark's wellness, he gets told you're you're Audi? never drinks any alcohol and never <laughs> abuses themselves and gets a full nine hours of sleep every night. Uh, she knows his nine Oh five. Mark explains that they stagger the entries so they don't meet on the outside. It's important. Apparently that they don't meet on the outside. She says, I guess we aren't friends. He smiles and says, guess not. And he smiles to me as I'm watching it. That was, you know, how I am. Mm-hmm. I like to ship characters
1: shipping them right there already. That yeah. Smile, who, the two of them weren't sure. you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. The little smile they shared and it, you know, you're you're getting some more emphasis of that later with some certain other scenes. She
0: follows, she's slipping through a manual. I have some of the text. Here it is. Welcome to the Lumen family. Congratulations on your new job. All of us are thrilled. You'll be a part of the Lumen Industries. From the humble beginnings of a small topical solve company to the world's leading uh, pioneer of biotechnologies, Lumen has thrived thanks to workers like you. Welcome to the Lumen family. Meet Sevi. And Sevi kind of looks like that little implant thing we saw it, earlier, doesn't it?
1: Sevi looks exactly like that little implant, just anthropomorphized.
0: Okay, so I have to tell you this. So here's the text. From the humble beginnings of a small topical solve company to the world's leading pioneer in biotechnologies. Guess what I wrote in my text?
1: What did you write? Though? I
0: wrote it. I wrote this in my notes. I just realized this. What'd you from write? The humble beginnings of a small topical solve company to the world's lazy leading prisoner in bio.
1: <laughs> Freudian slip. I actually wrote look prisoner. at that.
0: I can't believe it. I wrote prisoner. That is. Forced so its way through. Ah. So we get Dylan as explaining that he has a file, Tomwater, that he started some eleven weeks back. Tumwater, all in one word. She asked if he should be taking notes. Mark says, No. <laughs> Do not take notes. You don't need to take notes, whatever Dylan said.
1: Their job ultimately proves so very instinctual. Yeah, there is no point in taking notes. It's coded in in terms of their ability to do their, I put in giant air quotes, job.
0: We see the Tumwater screen looks like the other screens we've seen. Dylan says that he has it 96% sorted, which means he's earned four of the five tier incentives, including the erasers, the finger traps you see displayed here. (laughs) 100% is tier five that gets you a caricature portrait. You'll note I've accrued an embarrassing um, embarrassment of wealth in that regard. Wow! Correct. Each Have one you- of these finished files in the can. She asked if that's the highest award percentage-wise. Yes, but if we hit our numbers by quarter's end, we see her flipping through the manual, and we see the percentage complete awards in the manual. I don't know if you caught that screen.
1: Mm, I did not actually know.
0: Yeah, but it, so she, you see a screen. Um, which is a page of the book with all of the percentage awards. Now, as you see this, Dylan is talking in the background and he says, if we hit our numbers by quarters in one of us gets named refiner of the quarter and that shit gets you a waffle party. Now here are the percentage awards, 10% pencil eraser, 25% finger trap, 75% music slash dance experience. D- Dylan's blocking that one out. Dylan doesn't want to talk about that one. Hundred percent caricature portrait. So, all right, I covered a lot there. What did you? What did you? What did you think of this scene?
1: Have you ever had a job that I did these kind of like little, utterly tedious, you know, um, incentives to, to, for you to do your job?
0: No, I, I don't. Um, I do have like. Markers, I work from home, so I have like little markers of my day that help me not go crazy. I walk my dog at lunch every day. I go to the gym every day. Like I do things to not go fucking insane from working at home, but no, I don't need my employer to give me, you know, paperweights and shit. I've never needed that. How about you?
1: I've happily never had a job that does that. Every job I've had either just willfully ignored me, which was lovely, or realized that the main way to motivate employees is money. Money, cash, just has a wonderfully profound effect on work ethic.
0: Oh, so we uh, we do have a like a an award system at our company that you get a certain number of points, and then you can go into this, like encyclopedia catalog type thing and order things based on your points. We do actually have that.
1: So, uh, uh, do, do you have to get to a certain tier level? Is there a finger trap level? Please there, tell me. I, I don't know. know if
0: there's a finger trap or not. Let me tell you what I did. It was the most Spencer shit ever. What did you do? I ignored getting these awards and the points for about 8 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, And then cashed
0: on. them all in for like a grand. What did you get? Or what some number. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, I I I ended up by getting my mama um a uh, a dishwasher. I got my mama a dishwasher. So well done like sir. Christmas gifts based on the points from the company just completely ignored it for like eight years. So it's like, <laughs> and I kind of, th- I got I got the feeling that Dylan's doing the same thing, right? Look at these, look at the embarrassment of wealth. He's got, he's got so many caricatures and he's got the one where he's like, he's like the strong man, you know, that's the character. Mm-hmm. And she sees that one. She says, wow. He's like, yeah, she's confused about the waffle party as most humans would be. And Dylan explains that he's a lock for that. So she shouldn't even get her hopes. up. Don't, <laughs> don't, even, don't even worry about don't it. Don't worry about that. You shouldn't even know about that. What about Mark's crystal head cube? Dylan, I'm going to say a little salty here. says, that's not a prize. That's just something they gave him. Flashing lights,
1: let's return to this point later, because that's a fascinating inconsistency in the experiment.
0: That's just something they gave him.
1: What? The world that seems to be built around a, an element elements of uniformity and predictability to the point that even each of their steps throughout a day have a guide with multiple pages to turn to for every given moment, that is an
0: incongruity. Mark? Ask Kelly to flip on the console. So, cause Mark, cause Mark, I would like to point out, last episode, you were hot to trot to give Mr. Milchick employee of the week because he was doing all of the other shit in the office. Mark actually it, setting what? up the, Mark setting up the workstation here today. I gotta give Mark credit for that.
1: It, it may be even implying that PD would normally have done it, but since PD wasn't there, Milchick was filling in, but I'll need more data.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. That maybe those uh, things that Helmelchik was doing yesterday, now that Mark is head of the department, he would do going forward. I don't know the answer to that. So she walks over to her cube and she flips on the console. Mark gets up. We see a bunch of startup text code with Lumen at the top. It's nonsensical. I paused it. Didn't see anything there. Mark and mm-hmm. Heli are looking Lumen with sound on too. What? If you had to guess, what age are these computers? Well, like, have you ever let's, worked let's, a
1: job that had a computer this old?
0: So let's make an assumption this is 2023 because I'm not sure that it is. <laughs> hey, buddy, you good? <laughs> He's looming concerns. Oh my gosh, his his innie his innie just came up the elevator, and he wondered what happened. Um So yeah, I if you assume this is 2023, then I would say maybe the 80s. 80s. If, if,
1: this seems like, you know, mid to late 80s level of computer technology. But I'm not
0: sure this is 2023. This, when we get shots of the outside, it looks almost post-apocalyptic. It's almost like it's like 100 years in the future or something. Again, what degree am I supposed to interpret
1: this as being, you know, real or just surreal? I don't know. The outside world doesn't seem necessarily that real.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little little difficult to tell. But these are super... Old feeling computers for our modern day, right? Mm-hmm. So Mark types in Sienna, Siena, S I E N A, and we, this is
1: a DOS based
0: computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, he puts in a command, and we see a digital Rolodex scanning through a lot of names. I could not get all of these names on the Rolodex. Mm-hmm. Here is what no. I got: a couple though, Kingsport, Long Branch, Moonbeam. Those are the ones I could pull out.
1: I'm going to make a note of them, but I don't, I don't get what they are other than just assign a label to any given unit of widget that they're producing.
0: Then we see Earth, who drops the cubicle wall. You can do that? That was my first reaction. What? You could drop I, I, the that, cubicle wall?
1: I've worked in a lot of cubicles for a lot of jobs. That has never been an option, or if it was, I feel massively deprived to not realize I could have done that. I
0: would have felt so strange doing it. Trying like, to just intrude
1: on someone else's space yeah. by staring at them
0: like that? He says mark sorry to interrupt i know you're training heli i just noticed you've removed the group photos from the desk mark says yeah you're gonna take the new ones at heli's party today he clearly does not want to talk about this Mm-mm. irv takes that in lifts cubicle all again mark then tries to explain his job so here is the explanation of the job for you Spencer. go on your first day here at lumen industries i need Let me to explain know. the job this is the CNF file the data you see Falls into one of four essential categories and we group each line of code and then sort it evenly between five digital buckets. She says, party. He says, spook around first. Use the arrows.
1: Uh, Irv, the cubicle
0: wall falls. Irv drops cubicle wall and says, I do think the old photos are supposed to stay on the desk until the new ones come in. Mark gives uh, him side eye. Irv gives him a snide look. Cubicle wall goes back up.
1: And at which point, I now finally had an accurate read as to what stereotypical employee they all are. Irv, I now understand who you represent.
0: Yeah. We've all met this guy. It's a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, right? Like, they're clearly prisoners here, the innies are. And, you know, when you are – so, question for you. Have you ever been an inpatient in a hospital?
1: No, I've No, I've never actually spent the night in a hospital.
0: Okay. I was in a hospital one time, had a medical condition for two weeks Mm -hmm. and you start to care. Like it's a strange thing happens. And I started talking to the doctors about it and they said, yeah, it happens with basically everyone is that, you're in this like weird controlled environment, and you're stuck there. You can't leave, and you start to care way too much about little things. Like lunch is supposed to be there at twelve fifteen, and if lunch isn't there at twelve sixteen, I'm freaking out in a way that I never would in the outside world. Like I think that's what's going on here. Is there's this, they're 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 prisoners. They're stuck here, and so there's an overemphasis of the of the rules that they have.
1: Hey Brooks, you enjoying being institutionalized? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's kind of what it is, right? Is that you're, you're like there and you're like, you start to care about all the little weird things in the day. You, you have to depend on them. You would think were would be absolutely absurd when you're looking at it from the outside, right? And I think that that might be what's going on here with our guy Irv. So, um, Mark just says, right. Uh, and she says, should this mean something to me? And he says, no, all the data comes from upstairs, fully encoded. She says, then how do I categorize it? Mark and Dylan just look at her. She says, what? Mark says this. Each category of numbers presents in such an order as to elicit an emotional response in the refiner. She's looking at him confused, as is the entire audience. So cat one numbers, for example, feel a certain way on site. They'll be sort of disconcertingly scary.
1: And then Helly interrupts, and we don't get to hear what all the other numbers are, and I desperately need to know. I do what too.
0: emotions do these numbers instill in the refiners? She says it back to him that her job is to scroll through the spreadsheet and look for numbers that are scary. Dylan it's, says
1: it sounds dumb, and Mark said it to Mark second one. <laughs>
0: Dylan, I know who you are now. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I love. Oh, by the way, the guy who plays Dylan, can we just give him a shout? Uh, we have our, multiple people writing in wanting us to to acknowledge this. Roman's friend in succession. When it is Roman's training.
1: friend from the training. I, th- I forgot about that. It
0: totally is him. It's also the guy who is the bookstore co-worker of our protagonist in the in the show, You. Uh, he plays the same character in every show, and he fucking crushes it.
1: How is You, by the way? I haven't watched it.
0: Um. It's good. It's good. It really falls off a cliff. I would say watch episode, watch season one and then quit.
1: Understood. That's a hell of a statement from you.
0: Yeah, you, I just know you well enough to know how sick. I mean, I didn't, I got frustrated with the lack of quality in later seasons. So that ought to tell you. Gotcha. She says, are the numbers bloody? Do they chant? Mark affirms <laughs> that it doesn't make sense until you see it and it takes a while to see. Hey, Mark, I just printed out the passage, the handbook on. Changing up group photos just might be good to peruse when you're – Have you ever heard a co-worker do this to you? That The passive-aggressive bullshit like this? When you yeah, – well, when you so you do something and they think you're wrong and instead of telling you they think you're wrong, they send you an email and go, hey, might be good if you review this. You ever got that I, before? I, I
1: don't believe really have gotten it. I do it all the damn time rather than directly confront people about that. What I feel is their misdeeds.
0: Yeah, and I um, – am lucky enough to be in a position in my job where usually I can force the issue with people. I'm I'm, I'm senior enough where I can go, hey, you're telling me I'm wrong and that's cool. Can we talk about it?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, if I was Mark I'm going to say, Irv, did you just waste corporate resources for telling me something that we both understood that I was
0: aware of? I would love to have seen his response. I actually wrote in my notes, Spencer, how much do you like Irv in this moment? <laughs> very low, very low. Irv went, I had...
1: I had concerns about him, but still hopes for him. Last episode, and now of the various refiners that we know on the show, or just even employees on the severance floor, he is pulling
0: up the rear. I don't dislike Irv even at I this point. I would not enjoy point, him at this point. He I, I, I don't friends. have a problem with him. I thought that your your comment earlier was telling I know, like the I know who Irv is type of thought. Like I know who this guy is. I I've we've, know, we've met we've all met
1: Nerve, and I typically. Maintain a polite relationship with an herb that involves not interacting.
0: Mark thanks him. What a back and forth here. Helly he says, Am I trapped here? Mark says this, in what way? Mm-hmm. Fair question. If you if you ask, Am I trapped? And someone says in what way? The answer's fucking yes. Am I trapped? Well, let's define the terms. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. She says, like, you know, if I hate it and want to quit, is that an option? Mark just looks at her. Dylan looks at Mark. Yeah. Mark says, if you're really unhappy, you can submit a resignation request with your outside self for review. Dylan, and good luck getting that approved. Mark says, well, they do tend to get rejected. Plus, you know, what? Well, since this perceptual vision of you exists only at Lumen, I mean, quitting would effectively end your life in so much as you've come to know it. And I had not considered that thought until just now. Yeah, this is...
1: This just emphasizes, again, what a horrible thing the Audis are doing in terms of just creating the innies, of where they are creating a slave that ceases to exist and would effectively terminate to the degree you end their servitude.
0: Good God. It's terrible. It's It's nightmarish. It's utter cruelty. In comes Mr. Milchick with the melon bar. But, you know, we, we did establish this is in slavery. Um, this is ethically dubious at the very, very, very best, but I would like to say that it's probably okay now because of the melon bar. I did want to point that out.
1: I, I, I'm going to say the melon bar.
0: I mean, it's kind of that, okay, right? That looks fucking great. I mean, I want a melon bar. I didn't even fuck. know I
1: wanted a melon bar, but just the artistry that goes into every one of those things. I don't know why they're picking individual Everything. units just take an entire, you know, melon pod with you, but
0: wow. Everything. Is fucking 1980s. Even the fucking office trinkets, you know, like that—that like sawing of the actual melon, yes, to put the melon balls in is like, it's like a every fucking dinner party made by Southern Living Magazine 1988.
1: These are all of the utensils we had in our houses when we were growing up before the things our parents bought in the late 80s and carried over into our childhoods.
0: This thing, this thing that Mark said to to Helly, though, like, hey, if you quit, it basically enjoy that would fuck with me more than anything that's happened so far.
1: I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with that information. It's like, have you just told me that getting fired is an act of suicide? Resigning is an act of suicide. How do I process that?
0: Yeah, Mr. Milchik says he's a gog at how well he can tell she's already fitting in. The office feels whole. Now let's get this party started. <laughs> he he really does put on the cheesiest, fakest fucking accent ever. And like
1: Yeah.
0: I guess the innies think this is this real guy. But we see him kind of on both sides and I'm just like, God, these he, he can't even fake it with these innies. He fucking he- is it's so fake.
1: He has the level of authenticity as like, you know, a MC at Chuck E. Cheese, that kind of thing. Or like someone that is hosting a party for 10-year-olds kind of thing. It is just that
0: level of, I cope by putting on a fake face. So, cut to them tossing a the ball back and forth. Everybody's sitting around a folding chairs. My name is Irving, as you know. I've worked here for three years. And something about me is that I know all nine core lumen principles. Milchik ask what his favorite is. And he stammers, stutters, flutters, fumbles, and says... All nine. So they're trying to do icebreakers. But here's the fucking hilarious thing is that they don't know anything about themselves. So they have literally nothing to say in icebreakers. The point of an icebreaker is tell me about your outside work self. They are Mm -hmm. instituting this exercise with people who do not know their outside work self.
1: How many icebreakers have you had to do for various jobs, positions or otherwise volunteer roles?
0: So let me explain something to you that you're not going to like. Go on. I have an entire team of people. I manage people for a living. You do? My entire team of people is remote. We do not ever go into the office except maybe once a year or something. So I do an icebreaker at every single team meeting by request. My team wants me to do it because they feel like it's the only way they get to socialize at all over this medium because they're not in an office. You you – they are outies who
1: are coping by pretending to be innies. What a fascinating they want book.
0: They want the icebreaker. So I do an icebreaker at the beginning of every single team meeting I do. And they like it.
1: I have had to do these as part of many, you know, like getting to know new people at the firm. I love the satire that is brought to the scene about how bad. I mean, I've done fun
0: icebreakers. They exist. Sure. Most of the time, I do though, a bunch they of. they are
1: tedious as all hell. And this is satirizing that to hell and
0: gone. So I do uh, the last one I did. I'll give you just give you an example. The last one I did was if you could retire today and money wasn't an issue, where would you live? Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful because people went long form. They would say, "Oh, well, I'd go here because I like X, and this is part of it, and that was a fun part of being there." And body, body, blah, blah. Some people, smart people like myself cheated the question and said well in the summer i'd live here at the winter i I did well done sir yeah absolutely the
1: the the accurate answer to that question so
0: that's what they're doing here they're doing these nightbreakers um and he says irv says going back to the core non-lumen principles but today i think i'd say cheer spencer we know one core lumen principle cheer and i'm
1: already concerned
0: he gets up and starts to I, fall, and Milchik catches him and says, "No trust falls today, Irv." I think, <laughs> I think that was just summer. an attempt at, I think that was just an attempt at comedy. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's again just satirizing trust exercises that have, are mandatory at certain companies. I have never uh, done a
0: trust fall, though. I can say that. At you've company, never done a trust fall We've a never job done this. We've never done this. No.
1: I have had to do so many trust falls over the years.
0: Oh, that's a, how about when we go to Con of Thrones? I'll make you do a trust fall with me for Mangum Talks. We'll, we'll call it a Mangum Talks retreat. Mangum Talks corporate retreat. Why Why do you have to make something beautiful so ugly? And we'll do trust falls and we'll roll balls around and we'll we'll do all the icebreakers that I do at all my staff meetings. It'll be so much fun.
1: I would have lost money at Irving only having worked there for three years, though, with his descriptions of, like, you know, being the old man of the firm, and yeah. with creamer, you know, being an incentive they used to withhold, whatever else. I was betting longer than that. But that just, again, emphasizes how much they've altered their perception of reality that well, three years is the old man.
0: We know, yeah, exactly, he's been there three, we know Mark's been there two, and we know Helly just got there, and I don't get the impression Dylan's been there longer than Earth. So, that begs a question for me of, like, why is the turnover seemingly high? Well, the, <laughs> slavery. <laughs> the,
1: well, the, the, turno- the turnover makes zero sense at all, because they can't quit. And we've heard before that any any effort at quitting is going to be rejected
0: well, by Rowdy. It, well, unless... So how did
1: Carol D. leave? Well, How do they film an Audi video?
0: Maybe Carol D was out to dinner and some advocates of the anti-severance movement got in her ear and she decided it was a morally dubious, but, dubious thing to do. That's my theory. But even then, they tell you, they tell you it's a permanent procedure. No, 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 no. no. They, they be, that's they, what they tell you. That's well, what no, they tell you. Well, well, one of them left, remember?
1: I yeah. know Carol D left. I know she did. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I think that what they're saying maybe is that Carol just never comes to the office again because like, Carol still, see, has, still has the implant. Right. Exactly. Cause we see Mark can operate. Mark, Mark can take the day off. You can't. It's not like, a, it's not like at eight o'clock every day it flips over. Right. Like he has to right. be in a physical place. So maybe that's how they do it. Um, he sits back down and he looks at her and it, this is and He just says, she says, no, no. This is Spencer at every one of these things. No. No. Please don't. No. Please, and he rolls please. the ball to her anyway. Giggling. While smiling under the prick. She picks it up, says, hello, Ellie. I am been at Lumen for like 10 hours total and I'm sorry. I don't know anything about myself. Milchick does not like that answer at all. Mm-hmm. Tosses the mm-hmm. back. Sure you do, Ellie. Ellie says she guesses she went home last night, but she doesn't know if a home is a house or an apartment or if I live with a family. Dylan cuts her off and he says, I like to think that my Audi lives on a riverboat. Ellie, like Spencer, says, I'm sorry. Audis are Mark. They're us on the outside. Milchik Did, remembers. He says her out. Milchik reminds her um, that she saw her Audi yesterday on the video.
1: Question: Do you think that they, the Ennies that live in this you know world underneath the uh, the Lumen building, do you think they invented the term Audi, or do you think they were told the term Audi?
0: It's a good question. I don't know, but um, what, what, like like what, you what last would you episode this moment. I would guess that Lumen invented it. Me too. It's, it seems very corporate. Helly. Cute. Helly. Very reasonable. Says she has a few things to say to her, any or to her Audi and would like to record something mm-hmm. back. Irv starts laughing at the concept Milchik. So what you'll find here is that communication between selves is pretty curtailed. Heli floats the idea of writing a note, but Milchick says that the elevators are equipped with something called code detectors. So what could that be? Let's let's operate under the assumption that that's a real thing. What the fuck could that be other than just intense surveillance? Uh,
1: The only way I can logically assign that is intense surveillance of where they saw that she was trying to run to the elevator with a note and therefore they flagged it. Maybe maybe Milchik pressed a button because things that can, from Mark's description, like they're like metal detectors for written symbols. I'm with Heli. I call bullshit on that.
0: That doesn't sound right to me. Milchik laughs. He says, some messages can't be passed through. They're like metal texture written symbols. A lumen original, apparently. This is Mark. Milchik looks on, proud papa, and says, that's right, right. Mm-hmm. She says, well, sure. What if I, Milchik cuts her off and says, I don't think you're quite getting the game here, Ellie. May I? And he takes the ball back. Guys, this is Ellie. She's 30 years old. Now, look. I'm not, I don't like to get too upset about casting, but yeah. that actress is not 30.
1: Work with the world, sir. We're accepting so much surrealness as we're going. No, this is this the is problem. A minor okay? addition. This is the problem. This is, this this is, is like, your line. This, this, is, say, this is Sam reality. Tarly
0: not losing weight north of the wall. I can believe in dragons, but not that a man can stay fat in the club. Um, this, this is your line for suspension of disbelief. This actress, totally over 30. She's not 30. Anyway, uh she's allergic to almonds and has weak enamel at five, six, She's the fourth tallest person in your office. Dylan mean mugging him at that one. Dylan did not like the fourth tallest person in the office at all. Her hair is what we would call shoulder length. Mark laughs. And seeing her here with you all today, I'd say she most definitely has a family. Irving says, "Oh, Aww. Mark she's gets, a, go ahead. She, she's the actress is turning 37 this year, by the way. Yeah, 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 No way. Uh Mark gets the ball next. Says, that's a lot to follow. Mark says, I'll just say that I'm Mark. I've been with Lumen about two years and I absolutely love this game. Melchior says, ha ha ha, nice try, pal. But you said that last time.
1: Call Mark, I
0: sympathize. I've tried
1: that trick more than a few times.
0: You've done that on this podcast when I've asked you questions.
1: <laughs> I have. I have. I have. Totally. You haven't <laughs> called me out on it either.
0: Until now.
1: Up.
0: Irv cracks up. As do we all. Because that was a riotous joke. Mark says, well, I broke protocol this morning. Milchik, mm. Kirk tilts his head. Doesn't like that.
1: Interesting. Milchik doesn't seem to know this.
0: He doesn't. And he also lets Mark talk longer than I suspected he would let him.
1: He lets Mark go. And that is interesting too. Yes, it very, feels very to
0: me like communication, and I'm breaking new ground here, is very restricted. For the innies. And I just didn't get the sense that Mark would be able to talk this much about it. But he does. He says okay. I was dusting the old group photos, the ones with PD. And it just made me feel sad. And I guess worried that I won't be able to run MDR like he did. Dylan, that tracks. I have similar worries. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, thank you. Again, you're
1: checking boxes for this particular kind of person.
0: Mark continues. So I took me. Uh, I took them from the cubicles and put them in the storage closet, which we're not supposed to do. Er if I recall this, I objected. Thank you, sir. Thank you for telling me, Mark. I actually find your reaction sweet, though it is puzzling. You have an outburst like this for PD and not say Carol D. I'll stop there. What do you think about Mark's admission here during the game?
1: It is interesting that he's admitting this. It almost seems like their reactions to Lumen and to Mr. Milchek are complicated. They're multifaceted. And it seems like he honestly is treating this like an open forum for this moment. Now, to what degree is that I can talk to these people, or to what degree is that if I don't tell them, I'll get caught and this will be worse? I don't know yet. I'm leaning from where we, what, how he describes things after this conversation towards number two.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there's some clear parallels between Mark's Innie and Outie, and I feel yeah. like he uh, has a tendency to have things weigh on him, and he'll just kind of drop them at people's feet. To vent, yeah. Um, it's
1: so a, it's interesting. It's interesting how much everybody else is paying attention to this too. That particularly Irv and ooh, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, this is, are, I don't think
0: this is an everyday occurrence here. This is an everyday occurrence, and it's
1: they're reacting to it, and to a certain degree, particularly Dylan, it's resonating with them. Which you, as you mentioned, it seems odd that Milchik is letting this go with how everybody else is reacting to it.
0: Yeah. He, de- he really clearly does not ever want to lose control of this room, right? He so does here for a moment. Mark says um, they knew. So Mark is now explaining why he would have this reaction. Um, he, He's not supposed
1: to treat. It seems like he's not supposed to treat the employees different. It's not supposed to generate any kind of different. You should react with the exact same emotional response to every of these bits of data. Similar to how Irving gets in the counseling session. Seems like that kind of logic applies to
0: Milchick and the other employees too. It does. And he's, he's trying to explain this idea of why he cares about PD leaving and not Carol D. And he says, I mean, her outside, he said, we knew Carol D was leaving beforehand. I mean, her Audi filmed it. Her Audi filmed a thank you. Petey was just gone as Marcus deli Milchick is getting irritated. Tense music plays. Mm-hmm. And he says, I mean, I I don't know if he's got some new job or drunk on a beach or dead. That's enough, please! Milchik bellows. Mark almost powers
1: down when Milchik says that. He just looks down and he does not return to the conversation, interact, or meet eyes until Milchik allows him to do so. He is very much a castigated child in this moment.
0: Milchik is his god. He knows nothing yeah. else. He knows nothing other than Miss Kobol and maybe the wellness people. He doesn't know anybody else and like— again Stockholm syndrome right like he is in prison and he is becoming he has become that sort of like um overly reliant on his prisoners Mm -hmm. right prisoner the prisoners in the routine and the guards yes so Milchik is quite unhappy i think this is a good time to remind ourselves that things like deaths happen outside of here not here a life (laughs) a life at lumen is protected from such things and i think a great potential response to that from all of you is gratitude. Cause okay. You know what? It is forced gratitude really is the best type of gratitude. I got to tell you. It's the best. If, you know, they're like saluting the
1: principles, the nine core values, them staring off at the, you know, embraced wall mural of their founder. Weren't enough evidence that we were in a cult? This is driving that home.
0: Milchik laughs. I also think that melon isn't getting any tastier. And he nods toward the melon cut to Dylan, making very careful melon decisions. Just bring the entire melon tree. There's plenty. Bring it with you. You're gonna you, eat all that melon. You, you know that place, dude. There might be like a limit on the number of balls he's allowed to get on one plate. Like everything is like that. Like it, I don't I don't know if this free reign.
1: If, if so, that's just wasteful. It's already cut up. It's not going to last a day. I'm eating the damn melon,
0: Irvin. Yeah. Oh, good luck. Lo- oh, yeah. You're oh, you're gonna be a big bad man anyhow. Huh? You just go tell Mister Milchick what you're doing. I'm going voluntarily to the break room for the sake of that cantaloupe, sir. I'm telling you now. Irvin is sitting there eating his melons, and he's looking at his fingers, and his fingernails are dirty. I think that is something filthy. I think that's a mistake. That's my prediction. That's just my my theory here. I think that they having Irv come in with dirty fingernails is something Lumen slipped on, because that is a key that he can look at that and start to make inferences about his Audi. And they do not want that.
1: Uh, They have, from what we have seen, what their procedures are to ensure that outside information doesn't make it in. They did not prepare for this. They did not imagine the the possibility that certain aspects of hygiene would be conveying information, but whatever that. Is underneath Irv's nails, he has now learned something that is interfering with the purity of their experiment.
0: Mark apologizes to Helly for derailing the game. She jokes that she thought she had really derailed it, but man, he made it way worse. He laughs. So How are you going to figure out if Petey's okay? Oh, I think Milchick was pretty clear. She says, oh, you're done asking about your best friend because your babysitter told you to stop? Mark says, you know, Milchick is a nice man. When he says something, it's best to listen. She says, I don't care. He says because he can't always be nice like that.
1: That and, is a remarkably intimidating way to express that
0: point. <laughs> and she looks at him like, "What the fuck was that about?" Milchick then says they need to get the new group photo before the melon bloat sets in. Mark now, Mark now, knowing that he is messed up earlier, is in suck up mode and over, like, laughs too much at the joke because yes. he's sucking up at Milchik now. So everyone gets a place for the group photo. I really like that Irv is getting his suit right; like, he wants to look good.
1: Oh, yeah. This is going to be the photo that's on their desks until the current employee dynamic changes. Remember,
0: you're going to be looking at this every day. Say gratitude. Say cheer. I So because he said say cheer. I'm gratitude's going to, the core principle. I'm going to guess that gratitude is the core principle. Yep. Straight there with you. Helly walks off. Helly, what are you doing? She comes out and she says she's done. Doesn't want to do it. Wants to quit. She writes a note to the. Audi. Mark pleads with her. There are code detectors. Really? Do you know that? Have you tried? Because it sounds made up. It does sound made up. That blows Mark back a second. He looks at Milchick. Mark takes off after her. Tense music playing. Helly walking, then running down the hallway. She gets into the elevator. It trips, holds the door. All red lights, horns blaring. (laughs) Trouble for Helly.
1: And the figure of someone in a suit moving with a very steady determination to her exact location.
0: We need a new character, Mr. Grainer, an authority figure here for Lumen Industries. I, I, I think this actor does
1: a very great job for what his role is. I just worry that he's never been able to have a different job other than this, just given how he looks. <laughs> he looks like he was built in a lab for this exact role.
0: He says, perhaps you better come with me. Mark has to be let in. He is. And he puts a smile on his face, comes in and says, you found my wayward I Appreciate your help, sir. As always, Mark stands there clearly is trying to get him to release Helly back to his. M- Mr. graner is not inclined. Um, he points out the note, takes the fall for that. He says, ah, I must have forgotten to go over data smuggling rules with Helly." Oh, yeah, Spencer, that must be it, right? It's probably it. He just forgot to, you know, just simple. Simple little, you know, he forgot the preamble. Might as well, you know, he probably forgot this too, right? Simple mistake. This
1: is a very notable thing that Mark's doing here. It's interesting how frantic he is about it, which informs us before we even know what the break room is, how bad it is, how much he actively wants to prevent, wants, wants to avoid it. But how much he's desperately trying to protect Haley from it? Why is he trying to protect Haley from it? Ah, uh, because he cares. Because he feels Why like he he's a, a. Maybe he's a good person. B. Maybe he feels it's his responsibility because she's new. C. He wants to shelter her to a certain degree from what the the devils and the terrors of this world are. What else? D. Maybe ship the crap out of the house. Eve thinks
0: she's attractive. That's probably some of it. Um. He also probably is a good person. Um I think it's some combination of the two. But
1: it's notable how scared he is, though. He clearly th- – th- this is like Ned Stark. When could a person be brave? It's only only when they're afraid. He doesn't want to do this. No, he doesn't want to uh-uh. go through this uh-uh. whatsoever. Uh-uh. But he's going to take that bullet for he
0: says, So if Heli tripped the code detectors, that's on me. I apologize for that. Grainer points out he's department chief now. Well, on you then. Let's go. And Mark has to come with Grainer. He looks back at Heli, tries to reassure her. Thumbs up. Spencer, good management, bad management.
1: I think it's great management. I think this this is very much a philosophy of, to a certain degree, when a new employee who does not truly know better messes up, that's on the manager in terms of the process of teaching them how the job works. I think it is appropriate. She did know Stepping it,
0: she did not understand. That's the difference. Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, he told her. What else? Could, what else could he have done to make sure she understood?
1: I don't think he could have done a better thing here other than to, to earn, I don't, th- I think his actions here have forever earned a certain measure of loyalty between them in a way that is vital to, towards their relationship, be it as a manager or just as another person working with her.
0: Yeah, but my, my, I guess my, maybe my point is, is that like, he warned her. He she did. broke the rules anyway. Why is this good management to take the fall for her? He didn't tell her, he didn't tell her about the break room. He
1: didn't tell her what the punishment was. He didn't tell her what the repercussions of her actions were, which is a key aspect of teaching her the full the full world of what uh, what they're operating in. Okay. He was six. The fact that he was 60 percent of the way through the training still leaves that a very a very essential component for her to be able to fully process what this means.
0: I wonder if the rest of the training really includes the break room or not. If that's I, uh, yeah, and I'm not it, sure it, this it, might be it might be something he doesn't even have the authority to tell her. Interesting question. Mark walks with Grainer down a long series of hallways with white walls. Grainer opens the door with key card and Mark walks into a room with a name on the wall next to the door. Break room. Mark walks through poor lighting in this hallway, opens the door. He but, sees Mrs. Coble who just says, Mark.
1: That hallway is way too thin. That hallway is way too narrow. That That's hallway.
0: fucking strange, right? I,
1: I don't have claustrophobia, and I was still having a certain effect from going down that hallway.
0: Fucking weird. Cut to Marcus Audi, who is clearly out with someone, and the first thing we see is he is taking a drink. He's asking her about himself, or asking her about herself. She's a doula. No, not a doula. Midwife. Mark asked her Apparently
1: there's a distinction Between those two I did
0: not understand Mark asked her About deliveries How many Over 300 She says that's mostly Back in Montana That's so cool It's such a high amount She says They were getting Two a day Depending Mark Fights with his drink And takes another sip um or fidgets with a drink i mean takes another mm-hmm. sip so it's like 10 a week uh five day work week he is struggling to maintain interest here she asks if mark is vetting her for his sister she tries to joke around with him he takes another drink and asks for a refill so lumen like half this town and half of me that was a joke and i gotta say it was a banger that was a funny joke that was that that if there was a moment of human connection
1: between the two of them it was driven by that line.
0: <laughs> yep i completely agree why um, is the
1: hell was mark on a date why his sister
0: putting him on one
1: his sister strong-armed even going on a date why does she think this is a good idea
0: i am unsure um i think that sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who is struggling
1: who's this depressed
0: you yeah i think that there is a tendency for people to try to to force them out of it with brute force. And I think that his sister's doing some of that, making him go to dinner parties, making Um, him go out with her friends or her doula or what the hell ever. I think she's trying to brute force them out of this depression.
1: 100%. And he is doing it and going along with it because he understands that that she needs to feel useful and helpful in terms of helping him deal with what he's going through. And so he's putting on at least the illusion that he's going through the steps
0: so as to make her feel better. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like when you, you're drinking as much as Mark is, I'm not sure he's ever going to get out of the depression. Right. Uh, it's going to spiral until he can he can clear that piece up and he may not get out of it until he breaks this any outy work thing, too, because he has less time to process and heal. I mean, like he actually like, well, what's interesting about what Mark is doing, in my opinion, is that like he thinks that he is helping the grieving process by getting away from it for eight hours a day. But in fact, he's delaying the grieving process. He is making it go on chronologically longer because he has less hours to actually process and deal. I'm 100%. I even make it, he's, how he has
1: structured his life makes it impossible for him to go through the grieving process because he's not around people. He's self-isolating entirely. His well, only he, concept of reality exactly.
0: is spent in his house. He literally for eight hours, nine hours, whatever it is, is is out of mind, literally out of mind. And then he blasts himself with alcohol to get out of mind. He's never going to get, he's never going to actually deal with this. He's not, he's not actually in his right. He, man, how, how, how long do you think Audi Mark is in his right mind per day? An hour? Uh, hour the, I
1: don't even, the time necessary to drive to work, because I'm presuming he's only at least buzzed for that for that particular time or hung over. He was hands hope.
0: shaking, so he couldn't be super drunk.
1: So to work, back from work, in the process of checking in out of his home and interacting with his neighbor briefly. That's it. Every other waking moment, every other moment is either asleep or in the process of finding
0: oblivion. So Mark says he's in the archive division, a lot of sensitive material. Hence, the makes clicking sound up near his forehead. She's fascinated by this. So you don't know, like you, like who you work with or like what you do or anything. Yeah, that's the idea. He says she asked about sneaking notes. Mark very clearly says you cannot sneak notes. So you could have a Part girlfriend. Training. So you could have a girlfriend at Lumen and not know it. She plays <laughs> this out, pointing out he could be married and have kids, and his any wouldn't know it. Mark sours at this. She asks if it's messing with his head. He says, I think for some people, that's the point, And he takes a drink.
1: It was for him in terms of, you know, the marketing pitch for getting on this particular job. Do you think, uh, Heli is going to be his girlfriend at work before the season's over? Uh, or I, did you at the
0: time? I hope so. I, th- I like mm-hmm. the two of them. Um, you shipping. Yeah. Well, don't you? Yeah, sure. Uh, but it is a kind of an interesting concept that if you, this is how you work, you could have an entirely separate romantic what? relationship you don't know about, it, but it's it not you. Co- so it's not cheating. It puts a whole new spin on the term work wife. Yeah. It's like a legit. Yeah. It's like real outside. They make small talk about the weather, but Mark is slurring his words first, a little then a lot. He asked her about her hometown in Minnesota. She points out, Hmm, that's a interesting place. I visited one time from my hometown in Montana, which uh, he, which he jokes
1: off pretty well. So he, those are different places.
0: Yeah. I think that here's my impression of Mark is that he's drunk so much. He knows how to play off. Some of the mistakes he makes when he's drunk. He's got because when people true. are drunk a lot, they they tend to be able to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. they 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 have these little things they do to like play off certain things that happen. I think I think he has a little bit of experience here. She asked him if he lives in Lumen Housing. He slurs that he does in fact live in Lumen Housing. We give ten points to Spencer. Who uh, Baird that.
1: Baird Creek is apparently subsidized by the company that employs him. D- not dorms. Not dorms don't want to get you the wrong impression just you know they contribute to the process of
0: my housing yep spencer called that one in episode one i gotta give you credit for that Mm -hmm. there are some advocates on the street they say do you have a moment for children's brain health and legalized severance in the workplace mark says the wmcs are out and about in the background we hear a woman say that most severed workers don't see the sun their whole lives mark walks toward them Whole mind collective is WMC, and he mm-hmm. says sarcastically that they're great. What do you think about this interaction here?
1: Uh Awkward as all hell. I feel bad for his date for the evening in terms of going through the process of this, but fascinating to see Mark's almost emotional guilt process out loud here in terms of interacting with WMC for what he has done and how much he has not really come to terms with it.
0: Mark gets up, gets a flyer. It says in severance, he gives the spiel that they are trying to get corporations like Lumen from continuing to force legalize severance on our state, which is interesting. So he seemed, it seems legally that maybe severance is being decided at the state level, Mm -hmm. um, forcing severance on our state. Mark says they're forcing it. Now, Mark slurring says, what about the self mutilating types who do it willingly? I mean, I heard that some of them are so deluded. They don't even know their victims. I also heard that if you're severed, You go to two separate hells. Is that true? His date is super uncomfortable, as am Mm. I. Hey, man, if you want to benefit off forced labor, that's on you. Mark mocks the term forced labor. Fucking really? Forced labor? Really? So people can just like self-imprison? Are you captive right now, Mark? I would...
1: Well, I am
0: sympathetic. I'm I'm not sure he's making a lot of sense. He says... He's ranting. Your past self chose to walk down here to to be an infantilizing prick to people. He says... WMC guy says, severance is subjugation, asshole. Mark mocks the cursing. What are you, 12? Are you even in high school yet? Mark sees his date's face and cuts it short and walks on.
1: At any point, Tom.
0: did Mark make a cogent argument? No. No. Mark
1: is, Mark has doubts himself about what he has done and he's just reflecting that anger on other people.
0: I think the closest thing to any sort of coherent argument he does is question the person's age because I think there's a line of logic there where he can say, you don't know. Have you how, ever worked a nine to five? You don't know how difficult life is as an adult, right? And how mm-hmm. this might be an appealing thing for some people. So maybe that that might be, anyway, he gets home and he houses another beer immediately. He stands in his kitchen and he has the, he has the envelope from PD. It's a red envelope. So we know it's the envelope. He gets a knock at the door. It's Miss Selvig. Who we know as Miss Koble.
1: Mm-hmm. Peace
0: offering. Are we fighting? This sounds like something Fair you, question. this sounds like something you, an interaction you'd have with a neighbor where a neighbor has done something with you. They're probably stewing, worrying about it. You've gone on with your life and they come over with a peace offering and you're like, meh, what? But, Are we fighting? I, what happened?
1: Can I point out a key detail that would be unrealistic for my experience of my neighbors? Can you predict what it is? That they would
0: apologize. <laughs> No, what, what? even more
1: fundamental, uh, wearing a coat <laughs> that, that I would know their names. Mm.
0: <laughs> that is Hi. that is probably true.
1: Hi, White House on the
0: right. Uh, oh yeah. Um, she says she keeps thinking about the bins and says, that's not, he says, that's not necessary, but he thanks her. He invites her in for milk and she comes in.
1: Uh-huh. What, what are these cookies? What are these things? What are these weird purple cakes that she is serving in cookie form?
0: She says she's experiencing with experimenting with chamomile. So she's putting chamomile in a baked good.
1: Uh, she even notes in the moment, no hard feelings if you
0: gag. So she comments, and I'm sure this is... Uh, if your theory is true that Miss Selvig, Ms. Coble is not severed, mm-hmm. that's your theory. If that is true, I imagine... That she is going in the house to report on the status of the house.
1: She's going in the house to report on the status of the house and of Mark and also to feed Mark various, you know, stories. Well, baked goods, but also (laughs) stories that she's then going to do the exact opposite of in the office setting to see whether he catches.
0: She says he smells nice, which I thought was actually a little bit of a knock against how much he smells like alcohol.
1: Yeah, very much so, yeah. but I did, like, oh, but she, I love your alcoholic cologne. Well,
0: but she hides it because she says, were you on a date? So that would yes. imply that maybe she smelled cologne, right? So Mark says, sort of. My sister set me up with her doula or midwife or whatever. Didn't really feel like anything. Mm. Probably the most honest line from Audi Mark of the episode. He gets her milk and him milk. He tries the baked good, seems to struggle to eat it, but he does call it magic. Miss Selvig says her late husband was a carpenter, and before he passed, he so that – Isn't that that just so convenient, Spencer, that his intrusive neighbor who continues to come over and make herself a part of his life has the shared experience of losing a spouse just like him. Isn't that convenient?
1: It's just fascinating. And please continue with the story that she offers because I I think it it sends a very effective message.
0: Oh, well, before he passed, he told her he would start building us a house in the hereafter mark looks at her and there would be a small guest apartment in the back in case they found a new man before i got there haha ha. that's so she sweet, almost backs her eyes at him yeah she says he drew blueprints and she keeps those in her purse i think there's an implication that maybe she's getting them out of the purse but we are spared that scene and we cut to her leaving where she says he should come by the shop and she will give him a mugwort bath bomb that'll make him sleep like a rag doll now normally for normal people in this world, mugwort bath bomb would just be probably like nonsense. I happen to live in hippie central North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. Mugwort is all over the place, my friend. I know about this. Absolutely.
1: Is this is similar to last episode with the beds? Is this a certain shot across the bow
0: of a liberal culture? I think it might be. I think I whoever's writing this clearly has a problem with – uh american work structure corporations and their power in america they also clearly have a problem with certain types of liberals i think that's fairly clear certain types of insular liberal self-feeding culture so anyway she bids him a good night and she leaves
1: he closes the door and exhales mark seems to believe and i'm kind of with him that at least the role she's playing is hitting on him why do you think she's hitting on him i think mark thinks she is the whole story about you know the late husband, you know, encouraging him to have a guest house in case I found a new man before I got up to heaven and met him.
0: How much older do you think she is than him?
1: Hard to say, because they're purposely framing up Adam Scott as being older and more run down, but oh, maybe 10, 15 years.
0: Do you want to look up the actors and actors?
1: I, I will look it up and be sure.
0: That, that we, can, we can do the two comparisons. I'm going to say that they've cast a woman that is... 15 years older than Mark is my guess. But I don't know.
1: Adam Scott was born in 1973. So Making that. him,
0: um, what, 50?
1: And Patricia Arquette, right, yeah. How old, is, how old is Patricia Arquette? She was born in 1968, so she's only five years older than you. Wow,
0: okay. So that, very much in Wheelhouse. Very much there together. I she, I don't know. She just looked a lot older than me. Um, Okay, so that 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 could happen. I dismissed it because of the potential age concerns, but there was a little bit of vibes there. Um, He looks at the light. He walks to his basement. He's looking for light bulbs. He's looking around, and he sees a few items that clearly affect him in a tub titled Gemma's Crafts. So I think Gemma is his wife's name. Mm -hmm. G-E-M-M-A.
1: Sealed away, locked away, like so many other aspects of his life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do with that, right? When your wife dies, I don't know. Like, man, I don't know. I don't know if you can toss everything, but you shouldn't leave it out either. It's a a tough, tough call. Mm. We see him watching TV alone in the dark drinking. Next morning, he gets up, he gets in the car, takes off. Doesn't seem like he feels too good in the car. And this is where his hand is visibly shaking the next morning. I think this is a clear connection to his alcoholism. And he pulls out the flyer that says in severance.
1: When did he decide not to go into work? seems like he kind of decided it once he was in the car.
0: I think he decided it in the car when he read this, which is the flyer. I paused. I got the text. You want to hear it? Please. Severance robs the worker of moral self-governance. One may spend one day's hacking children to bits. That's the lines I got out of it. <laughs> he stares it's straight a- ahead. It's raining. Well- you no know music playing during the sequence. The whole mind collective is, you know, they've got
1: a pitch. I share some of their concerns. They're focusing very much on the baby aspect of things.
0: You could spend your whole day hacking children to bits and you wouldn't know. He goes inside. He grabs the envelope in the car. He calls Mr. Milchik. He identifies himself as severed worker, employee number 4502. Milchik greets him. I actually woke up feeling not terribly well. Mr. Milchik says, oh, is it serious? He says, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's not serious, but it's a. It's kind of a nasty stomach thing. I can't make it in. He says, well, I'm sorry. I know your Innie will be sad to have missed the day. You feel better, okay, Mr. Scout, end of conversation. So it does seem to me that the the Audi is not as indebted to Lumen as the Innie, clearly, right? He can just call out. I mean, obviously, the Innie does not have this power to do so, right? So he, the worker is just capable of saying – I'm out. I'm not. I'm not coming in. Uh-huh. I, I, and, and that seems to me to be a power that any didn't have. And I'm actually maybe just because of the dynamic with Mr. Milchick and the any, it, it, it kind of surprised me that he was able to just call out like that. I, I didn't know he could do that.
1: Uh, it, it, it it is notable that he has that power. It's also notable that Milchick inquires though with respect to it. There's no just oh I'm sorry. I hope you feel better. There is the question of oh may I ask how serious it is. I don't think he would still have the the implied power to say no. That's not serious enough. You can't come in. But there's a certain aspect of
0: probing that's still going into the response. If you if you call out, which I, okay, let's just create a fictional world where you call out of work.
1: How many lungs do I still have? Yeah. If,
0: if, if it, mm-hmm. yeah, but in this fictional world where you call out of work, would you think you'd be questioned as to like what's wrong with you?
1: No, probably not. No. If I just say I'm sick, I can't. I feel like I can't go in. They're just going to wish me well.
0: I don't think I would either until the, maybe the second or third day. And then yeah. I think I think I might get a question. Um, so cut to Irv. We're back to the innings now. Cut to Irv coming up to Dylan in the break room. He wants to know just where the hell Mark Yes, He should be coming in down. He should be coming in down first now, Spencer, okay? He is department chief. He's coming he's out first. We saw the responsibility sheet. You know, First day responsibilities
1: responsibility, he was hiding pictures. Second day, he's not here. What is happening to this department right now?
0: He stinks. You know, Dylan has concerns. Dylan Dylan has concerns. concerns.
1: Not here right now, though. Not Here right now, Dylan is outright flipping.
0: Dylan says he's probably sick. They wouldn't bounce PD and Mark in the same week. I certainly hope not. Quarterly deadline's coming up, and I'm not looking to become department chief. Dylan, wow, a lot of confidence for a man who got disciplined for snoozing. I like Dylan, uh, but this seems to be maybe a bit too far in their relationship because, like, Irv gets upset, and Dylan actually has to apologize.
1: Well, it's notable that the moment Dylan says it, he realized he went too far particularly with Irv maybe you could joke about this with Mark Irv the moment he says that he is like oh I need to walk this back Irv takes a Irv lot of pride stares in stares daggers work. at him
0: takes a lot of work at pride in his work and being yes. professional he knows all nine lumen principles he knows the handbook well enough to know that Mark broke protocol by moving the picture frames he knows that the damn cubicles can go down he likes to get his suit on perfectly before the picture irv takes himself seriously this was a this was a real shot across the bow here from dylan this is quite a slight
1: one that dylan has to immediately walk back with respect to this
0: luckily heli returns to break up this moment never never stops huh dylan endless toil she asks where Mark is dylan's a sicker fired probably sick Helly wants to know if they would have fired him for her note thing dylan no way he did a stint in the break room yesterday so apparently that is punishment enough, and that is established. If you do use stint in the break room, that's punishment for whatever transgression that you did. You wouldn't be fired after doing the break room stint. Allie and Dylan both sit down, cut to Miss Koble Mr. Grainer, Mr. Milchick, all in Miss Goble's office. And Mr. Milchik is updating them about employee 4502. He said he was ill. Milchik says he doesn't know if he sounded sick, but Mark said it was abdominal. Grainer or, responds, responds. Funny timing. Is he commenting
1: on the cookie or is he commenting on certain doubts about the story? I
0: Or is he saying funny timing because Petey left under these weird circumstances and he has he's showing sure. any he is showing this attachment to PD that is obviously not acceptable that they don't like that Milchick's trying to suppress. I kind of took it as that. It's either a joke at Coble's expense or is a general doubting as to whether Mark's
1: narrative actually matches what's happening?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was – I'm, when he I'm leaning towards two, yeah. I thought he was really worked up about the PD thing. That's what I thought it was. Uh, Cuts of Mark driving around. We see the address is 499 Half Loop Road. There we go. That is, I would say, partial reason maybe for the um the title, right, of oh, the episode. Sure, I think yeah. It's also a play on the fact that half their life is a loop, half loop. Um little piano music playing in the background on this one. Minor key. A lot of minor key, and every once in a while we get an augmented chord. That's that's mm-hmm. what's going on with the music here. Dylan is the fucking man. Given Helly the rundown. Eraser's purely ornamental. Purely. We don't even have pencils. They're just for fun. They don't we don't use pencils here, but the finger traps are fun as long as you know how to use them safely. <laughs> People have died, sir. <laughs> You have to not use them safely. But really, they demonstrate how far you got the file. But why don't we always finish the file? Dylan explains they only last so long. On average, they finish one in five before the file expires. He says that's better than it was before Mark's freshman fluke. So I guess Mark had a run of completing files that Dylan wants to dismiss as beginner's luck. That's what it sounds like to me. But they don't give us that conversation.
1: Well, it, it implies that Dylan has been there longer than Mark. We got that point away. So Irving, Dylan, Mark, now Helly, in terms of just you know time period spent with the company, also suggests that maybe Mark's had to share a waffle parties. Maybe that's just you know his very positive mindset he brings to the company, just the sheer power of
0: waffles. Yeah, I don't think like, I don't like Dylan likes that too much. He seems a little competitive, right? But in the background, we sit on Irv, who is typing and struggling, and he is starting to doze. He's looking at the numbers, and some of them are starting to sort of jump out at him. Now he's seeing black. Come over the walls of the cubicle, almost like a tar, oil maybe. Irv is getting more and more scared. The tar oil comes onto the keyboard, and he just yelps. Now, question for you. Was he asleep, or is he imagining things?
1: Yes. Okay. I I, I think it is some combination of the two. It's notable. We saw some kind of like that tar in the intro too, right?
0: I guess my question is, is he napping and then just having a normal dream? Or is there something neurologically wrong with him?
1: Uh Leaning towards option two, there. This seems tied to the implant. This seems tied to Lumen. This does not seem purely just an imagining of his.
0: And I would say that I believe that based on Milchik's reaction, Milchik. It says we're not. Scr- will well, get to it. But he says we're not scrambling to put you in the. You know, in the break room, they actually take him for a wellness check, which seems to be the only like thing they do to try to give these people joy other than like, I guess their bag of raisins every day or whatever is this like (laughs) wellness thing. So it seems to me like they almost reward him for this happening. Well, it's not, not necessarily a
1: reward, but acknowledge that this is outside of his control. This is like, you know. This is something that actually merits an employee benefit, so as to address and correct rather than punish for any aspect of noncompliance.
0: cuts to mark in an abandoned greenhouse. I like how the outside world seems almost post-apocalyptic in this story. Fucking bomb Run went off. Road. Where are we in, like rural Ohio here? Like, what, what is where, where is this area that everything seems like a fucking bomb went off?
1: What I mean. He- You go outside certain towns in almost any state, things get pretty rural and run down pretty quick. So it it could be in a variety of places, but it it is notable the visual aesthetic they're going with here is that Lumen is just the utter definition of order. His friend group is just their own like little isolated island that maintains itself. And everything outside of that is various stages of an active collapse.
0: Did you ever read the book Ready Player One or see the movie? You know, I never actually have, but I'm familiar with it. It's a it's wonderful. So the, the 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 concept is that set way in the future, and a VR company who creates a virtual reality world. I am convinced that Mark Zuckerberg read this book when he did the pivot <laughs> for Facebook to Meta, and they create this other world that everybody in the world wants to be in. Everybody wants to be in VR. They don't want to be in the normal world anymore, and they become like the de facto biggest only company in the world. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like there's abject poverty in real life. Everybody has their headsets on and all the money is pumped into this VR world and this company that produces the VR world. I almost got that impression here. That, got a feel there. That Lumen is super, super successful while everything else is crumbling. I'm with you. It seems to be definitely at least the aesthetic they're going for. Cut to Irv walking with Milchik. Milchik. Oh, uh, by the way um, – We see a kettle brewing, and Mark looks over it, and it's Petey. He sees Petey. Mm -hmm. So, cuts air of walking with Milchik. Milchik is telling they're going to deduct the time he spent dozing from his Audi's paycheck. I would never make any money if they were monitoring me in that manner at work. Like, like 10 cents? Like, he was asleep for, like, a second. Like, what what is this? It's Um,
1: the principle of the thing. He needs to understand.
0: Will be hard to fix. Well, what will be hard to fix, Irvin, is my and Cobalt's trust in you. Irvin is profusely apologizing. So sorry. I'm so sorry. Milchik says no one is hankering to throw him in the break room. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. His grievance wasn't bad enough for Milchik to put him in the break room. The note thing is bad enough. Trying to get a note on the elevator is bad enough to get in the break room. So I'm just trying to get like a barometer of what, what, what's a bad offense in this world, right? 100%. So doing a wellness check with Miss Casey, new character, and they go from there. Irvin thanks him very robotic. Melchick leads Irvin into a room named Wellness inside. Irvin, Irv stands there waiting. Cut back to Helly. Nothing scary yet as she's playing with the screen, She looks over at Dylan. Oh god, a four. Don't fuck around. I told you. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> Helly asked the million dollar question. I, I really do like that
1: Dylan is actually trying to be helpful to her. I like oh, yeah. that they're all trying to be helpful to Helly as sure. a boy.
0: They I do think the other 3. I think Mark Dylan and Irv do view this as a team. Yes, very much. And I think that when From... someone joins, they're trying to help as much as they can. I mean, Dylan seems to me of the three to be the one that maybe skirts the rules, says thing he shouldn't, you know, like kind of always riding the line. But most and sarcastic. even he is like, let's, let's try to get her up and going and successful. They each have their different
1: reasons and their different perspectives, and what restores or renews them or motivates them with respect to the team, but it is still a team.
0: Hell, asked the million dollar question: What exactly are these fucking numbers? Like, do we know what we're supposed to be cleaning? Dylan's. I've been asking. Dylan says, "My theory: the sea." Dylan, go on. I need to hear more. (laughs) Oh, okay. Think about it. If our Audis. Are up there severing our brains? Ship must have gotten pretty bad. Famine, plagues, etc. So, what is Fair. a desperate humanity to do? Populate the sea? Exactly, populate the sea. But first, they send probes down to the sea to clear out all the deadly eels and shit because we can't go <laughs> that, right? So, we send the probes down. They send us the data coded. We sense what's eels, what's not, and then we tell the probes what to blow up. This is the leading theory. Haley he just looks at him. Nah, Irv thinks we're cutting swear words out of movies. <laughs> Different views on this. I, I honestly think this is an important scene. I do too, very Irv, much so. It but, shows us. Well, why do you think it's important? They're making a religion. They are
1: trying to assign meaning to their life and you know what, what, what appears in it. They're trying to say why that bush caught on fire. This well, is the process they're going through. They need to have some degree of motivation and justification for what is their only existence. And so they're making stories. Dylan, his Audi lives on a riverboat. The job he's working, it's helping paint humanity's future underneath the waves. This is people in a vacuum with no other, with no other grounds for it, inventing a aspect of faith
0: to keep them motivated. I think it shows that the extent of their prior knowledge, so the extent of the shared knowledge between the Innie and the Audi, the Ie, the memory that the NE comes equipped with is fairly substantial.
1: Uh, it certainly is affecting you know like what motivates you. The fact that Ur- the fact that Irv is thinking they're editing films tracks what we see of Irv. The fact that Dylan is you know assigning this kind of fun fantastical conspiracy theory about you know repopulating the ocean tracks what we're seeing about Dylan.
0: The differences point to a different life experience.
1: There's are they still a different person that comes in here. They're not just you know carbon copy. Drones. A
0: person with a prior memories, knowledge, a knowledge base, a personality that's based on experience. I'm I'm starting to posit that the 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 break in the shared knowledge between the reality is pretty recent. It, it can't I, I, it can't have been that far along. Also,
1: in terms of things I know about Dylan, man doesn't scuba dive. If he's, if he's thinking eels are the biggest threat or the biggest thing to be considered about underneath I the have sea, a question the man's for you. never
0: been near the near, near the ocean. I've got a question for you, and I think all of Mango Talks wants to know. You have multiple times on our podcast extolled the virtue of going deep into the ocean. You've yeah. talked about it a lot. You have pushed me to do it unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you like to recant anything about your deep sea exploration with recent current events?
1: I'm not James fucking Cameron. I'm not going to the bottom of the Marriottas Trench. I'm an open water diver. There is a very different experience from going under depths that are many atmospheres higher than anything resembling the surface to the point you, pop, you or your submarine sadly pops like a balloon. Very different experience. Fully can endorse open water scuba diving without even approaching the concept of going 13,000 feet below the ocean. So you do not a submersible want to craft.
0: So you're saying you do not want to apologize.
1: No, in no way. I'm doubling down.
0: Elias. Dylan goes through this whole thing. Right. And then we cut to Mark who is talking to PD and he's asked what they have the, and he's working on at Lumen PD says, I don't know. I thought about severance. I thought without severance, it would make more sense, but they separate us from other departments. We don't even know how many people are there, but I've been reintegrated for two weeks now. I've been mapping out the floor. Mark walks over and takes a look at Petey's map. I hid the original for you when I left. I hid the original for you when I left.
1: There is so much to unpack here. It's fascinating. This guy, I I pondered this last episode. To what degree was he, quote unquote, reintegrated while he was still working there? guy was only fired or left like what two three days ago now how much how, how much time has passed
0: literally two a i weekend, think i think a i think weekend. he was i think he left on a what
1: a thursday. a thursday
0: and there's been a friday and a monday and he and and fucking what's his name called out on the tuesday
1: so more than a week this guy was masquerading operating on the severance floor while being reintegrated Is that what will be able to deduce from what he's telling us yes
0: from? he to kept going of- to work as in, as, a, as someone who was not breaking any Audi. It was just the Audi going to work.
1: So whether he's had his implant removed or whether he's had it turned off, that tells us that the scanners do not pick up that information. Nope. Because otherwise they would have noticed the moment he was going down, presumably.
0: Pete, go ahead.
1: It also tells us that, well, it, it gives us a lot of information about what has been done to him and how whatever is still in his head works or doesn't work. It also suggests again, similar to the dirt underneath the fingernails, Lumen has a certain degree of unmerited ego going into what they think is the security of their operation.
0: I think there's some severe flaws in some of their security trying to protect the any from the outing. Pete seems to be having a headache. It's so bad. He whimpers. You know, I thought that was a really great touch. You know, like if, I mean, Petey seems like just a regular dude. Like if you see a fucking grown man whimpering, that's serious pain. That's not a normal thing for someone to do when they have a, a, a flash 100%. of pain. Mark asks if he's okay. It seems to pass. And PD says, sorry, reintegration sickness. What? The fuck is this? Mark hasn't heard of it either. He says, because I'm the first dipshit that's ever had it. He points out living in the greenhouse doesn't help, but he can't go home. Corporate housing. Mark asks him, what's so bad about things down there? This is the room. Or he says, there is this room we go in. When we don't act right. PD pulls out a tape recorder and plays it. We hear Mr. Milchik. This guy, reco- again, the level of lack of security. This guy
1: brought a recorder down there to record the process of him being in the break room. How the fuck, fuck did he get the out. recorder
0: in? How the fuck did he get the recorder in?
1: They don't check. They don't check him. Again, they, they, they're relying Question. on such trust here.
0: Could he have geestered it?
1: That is a pretty big dash record that is not a modern recorder. That is a very much a nineteen eighties recorder. That thing's got some masks, man.
0: That's all I can think about is like sneaking things in a jail. Like I he's just like, I don't know. I, didn't, oh I didn't know how the fuck he got that thing in. That, that, but he that clearly thing clearly did full on
1: palm right there.
0: He clearly did, and he was able to record not just himself, Mark in the fucking room. This is Mark's voice.
1: I thought I, I didn't think it was Mark. I thought it, no, you're right. I think it was Mark. I didn't. Th- it's I, Mark's I didn't it.
0: fucking voice. So how the hell did he get that? And it's so much more powerful for Mark because he's hearing himself say this shit over and over again. Forgive me for the harm I have caused this world. None may atone um, for my actions but me, and only in me shall their stain live on. I am thankful to have been caught. My fall cut short by those with wizened hands, and all I can be is sorry, and that is all that I am. He says this over and over again. Really damn seems
1: religious, t- right? It like,
0: is strange phrasing.
1: It it, it, it it has hallmarks of kind of like biblical phrasing associated with this, right? And coupled with the pictures we get later, there's a decidedly religious bend at all.
0: This I is. am thankful to have been, cut, been caught, my fall cut short by those with wizened hands. That could have been a fucking pastor saying that i mean that that really sounds like it's coming from a pulpit mr milchik i gotta tell you this does not believe mark one iota gotta say it again 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 and that seems to be what this is mark listening very concerned says what the fuck is that pd says that's the break room insane
1: what do you think they do if you don't say
0: it It's a good question i don't think It doesn't seem to me that physical abuse is on the table because it would leave marks on the body. It's got to be something else.
1: 100%. I'm just curious what the stick is.
0: I don't know. Cut to Irv, who is waiting with some nice elevator music playing. Very, very similar to the intro for our podcast here. Very very similar. Oh, 100%. He gets up and walks around a little. We see a painting in the lobby. Clearly stick... Uh, uh, clearly, uh, strikes his fancy. The painting seems to be some sort of biblical figure with a whip, whipping smaller humans in a lab. Do you have any consensus of what this painting is?
1: I, I don't, but the figure that with the whip looks more than a little bit like the, uh, figure of Mr. Egan that we saw earlier.
0: In comes Bert Goodman. Did you have any guess we'd get Christopher Walken in this motherfucker? I should have with your references to Christopher Walken previously. Didn't think
1: about that, but I, I, I was all sorts of hits. caught off guard to have walk and just walk into this moment, being his most walking self.
0: Absolutely, Bert apologizes. I'm coming out for my session. Erst he's about to go in, but he's admiring the painting first. Bert, that piece hung in the perpetuity ring wing for many years. What? what? Perpetuity what? wing. What?
1: What? what? What campus are they operating under right now? How many separate people down here? What wings are they exploring as part of exercises?
0: Notice What's going on? Notice the first piece of information, a decommissioned, a fully with it PD gives to Mark is we don't even know how many people are down there. It's the first thing he says.
1: And the map that he paints is colossal.
0: Yeah. Um, So... Irv says he knows. I know. It broke my heart when they took it down. Bert says it's better there. It's calming. Irv introduces himself, asks Bert if he's a department head. Optics and design, a two-person department, so barely. Irv says, this is your work, huh, Bert? says, they don't paint them, uh, but we do hang them. Irv pays him says, I loved that you did the Ambrose cycle in the team building space last quarter. I'd never seen it. Bert says, it's rare to meet a sophisticate. Most people only think of OD when new handbook toots come in. They share a
1: laugh. Irving loves those two though. Ir- Irving is a company man. Gotta Irv. say that about him.
0: He is. Absolutely. Says he loves those two. Bert says there are new ones coming out next month, uh, in the next few weeks, next month maybe. Best design yet. Irv says that's all he'll be thinking about until then. They share a look. They sure a lurk. Little I think uh, too- Irv and Bert.
1: Heck, these two might be buddies.
0: As Mr. Casey calls for him to come in, Irv walks to Miss Casey. Uh, Miss Casey, not Mr. Casey. Yeah, yeah. Irv walks to Miss Casey, cuts to Miss Casey, who has a plant in her office, and she turns on some nature sounds.
1: It, you know, the, the, the general design of the office and the nature sounds, I'm with those. The affirmations that she repeats, please repeat them for me, sir. I would love to hear them.
0: All right, Irvin, what I'd like to do is share with you some facts about your Audi. Because your Audi is an exemplary person, these facts should be very pleasing. Just relax your body and be open to the facts. Try mm-hmm. to enjoy each equally. Very important you do that. These facts are not to be shared outside this room, but for now they're yours to enjoy. So here it is. Here is what she gives the information to Earth about his out alley. his I'm generous, ready for it. Fond of music and owns many records. Friend to children and the elderly and insane. Strong and helps someone strong and helps someone lift a heavy object. Go on. Attends many dances and is popular among the other attendees, likes films, and owns a machine that can play them. Splendid and can swim gracefully and well.
1: Okay. Of these, which did you find the most weird? Which 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 gave you a certain, you know, like change-up effect from
0: how just weird that addition was? Strong and helps people lift, helps someone lift a heavy object. It seems like a one-time story. You can't change someone's body, presumably, from in and out Irv is not strong. He knows he's not strong. It seems like a strange thing to tell him. Uh, that he's an one was, older guy. He's like spindly.
1: That one I was just straight laughing at. The one that first told me, oh, these are going to be weird, was you are a friend to children and the elderly and the insane. Yep. It's a wonderful way of expressing that. And then the one later, which is like, what decade are we in? Your Audi likes films and owns a machine that can play them. I don't even know what level of technology we're at. Are VCRs, DVD players, or just streaming a weird thing in this world?
0: Hard to say. But Irv laughs at the can swim gracefully well. He likes that one. And uh, she tells him, very important, that he enjoy each track equally and not show preference for any of the others. That's 10 points off. You have 90 points or many. Points? Yeah, it, it, that's right, Spencer. And you have a 100 points for the rest of the podcast. And if you make any mistakes, I might have to deduct some points. I but, might have to. But, but what, what What are these points? What do the points do? You have a 100 points. The point thing confuses Irving, just like it does us. But she tells him not to speak. She looks down and continues. You already won a game two weeks ago. Values water. Values water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sir? I didn't even know this about myself, but I, too, value I water. I do, too.
0: I value water. I'll tell you this, though. I, I, You know what I value a little bit more than water? Hmm. Sprite Zero. Sprite, Sprite Zero is a good drink. Uh, look at all the
1: commonalities we're establishing I'm right now. We're Sprite learning Zero, about ourselves and our Audis.
0: <laughs> a photo of your Audi with a trophy was once in a newspaper. No fear of muggers or knaves. Knaves, <laughs> like again. Like the sound of radar, your Audi is skilled at kissing and love making. We're getting weird. I want to. I want to know. How, like in this level of build, what's this going to end at? Uh, he laughs again. I'm sorry. Please don't respond to any specific facts. I was just. Please don't speak further. Or all remaining points will be deducted further, and the wellness session will end. Irv just sits there. Cut to Dylan. Takes a token out of a jar that says "Limit two tokens per person per day." He takes a token, puts it in a vending machine, sits there looking. He's got some choices, Spencer. What would you pick?
1: Uh, I think one of those said sliced beets, and I've just never seen that in a vending machine. I'm taking that.
0: It's probably dried fruit. I'm doing the sunflower seeds. I think that was a strong choice. Our guy Dylan selects C2 raisins.
1: Did one of them just say meat?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's quite of them a beef jerky Beef jerky. Helly yeah. comes up and asks, is it just the elevators? Dylan seems annoyed. What? With the code detectors, or is it stairwells too? Dylan says, Jesus, stairwells too. Why? Ellie asks if the resignation requests are actually being delivered. We all have that question. Fair. Dylan says, you got to let the info smuggling notion go. Ellie says, okay, but how good are the scanners? She mentions writing, you know, writing something in a funky way, different sort of lettering, that sort of thing. Irving walks in with a banger of the joke. Hi kids. What's for dinner.
1: It returns.
0: That's happened each episode. So we're two for two. Dylan says, Nope. As soon as he says, (laughs) really sort of (laughs) aggressive. (laughs) She asked Irv how wellness was, and he says, great, very restorative. I met the OD department head, Dylan Burt. I've met that guy, he's a fuck. You didn't, you didn't tell him where we are, did you? You didn't tell him where we are, did you?
1: What the hell is this for? What maze labyrinth? Is there a minotaur? I need to know.
0: Uh, you cannot tell him where we are. That's the most important thing. Irv is obviously upset that his integrity has been challenged, Bert's not a fucking no. Dylan says he was asking for a member of this department. Irv challenges that says you just want your waffle party. Meanwhile, we focus in on Ellie, who is looking at the numbers background. Dylan, oh, beg fucking parting. We're supposed to like the perks. And then he quotes and all in Lumen's care shall revel in the bounty of the incentive spur. Uh, what do you in, think about
1: in, that one uh, incentives another core value maybe
0: <laughs> irv don't pervert a handbook passage to me okay
1: <laughs> again it's their bible because that's irv, all they have irv gets the in only his book face they can probably read.
0: irv didn't like this at all he actually stands up and gets in his face ellie says hey hey guys she's looking at the computer she's seeing something She asks, why is that why is that dylan says you okay just, you okay. You okay. So I wonder if that phrasing, that, that is almost like a more, uh, you good, you good, you okay, you you I right, like sort of urban sort of language. I wonder if that's a hint at his Audi, at how may maybe be, his yeah. Audi talks. I'm it, wondering.
1: It, it, it was an interesting word choice. You Otherwise, okay. Everyone's, everyone's been fairly uh, – Everyone's either been represented with the character or
0: otherwise fairly generic, and that's an interesting, di- interestingly different way of expressing that. Right. I wonder if we cut to his Audi. if he comes, off. I don't know. I'm just trying to pick up stuff. So he says, just fence off the bad data like I showed you. Irv asked her if she can see the perimeter. So she grabs a few numbers, puts them in the bin, takes it down. Boom. Fucking refined. And, and they, they encourage her. They're
1: happy for her. She All is right, a Ellie, member hip of their team. Hip hip, hip hip is an interesting way of expressing that, but sure, go on. I, I- think
0: hip hip is also an indication of how Irving talks on the outside. I think we're getting little clues that, they bleed are resulted, that result from the shared memory of the innie and the outie before it separated and, and whatever thing happened with the implant.
1: To be able to function in a separate environment, some aspect of your life has to maintain and bleed through. And we're seeing the little touches that may not perfectly be within Lumen's intent.
0: Helly says something that she never, ever ever thought she would say unironically they were scary the numbers were scary
1: her mocking earlier is now turning right back in her face those numbers were terrifying
0: cut to mark and he's got Petey at his fucking house
1: uh, this is not gonna work out well i don't care if you take away all my points this is not gonna work
0: this is big he's got Petey at his lumen owned home
1: with, with what looks like uh, his boss staring into his window from her second story window they, he is being monitored.
0: Here's a sleeping bag and you can use the shower. What are you trying to say? Mark laughs. He thinks, Mark, and Mark says he thinks his work self would be pissed if he let Petey sleep in the greenhouse. Hey, guess what, Mark? You're right.
1: Mm-hmm. You're any wooden
0: like that. You called that. We see Mark looking around moving boxes. Mark asks Petey if he's okay there. Petey is getting a call. He looks at his cell phone. And he's struggling again. And he's got a nosebleed and it's gushing a bit. He sneezes out some and he tries to wash and clean his nose. He's in more and more pain. Petey does take a shower. And then it looks like he sees himself from a different body. Like he's separated. Dissociating. So yeah. <laughs> like he's outside the shower in a suit. This causes a complete mental breakdown for Petey. A collapse. He falls down in the shower. It looks comatose. Checked out. Boom. That's the end. Outro song is Daydream by Wallace Collection. What a fucking mix, too, because it's a little little dubstep maybe dropped into that. Uh-huh. Heck of a song. Episode over.
1: Another quality episode of this show. I think I may even like this one better than the first.
0: Um, I think so, too. I think that this was the episode. A lot of shows give you a good pilot that ask a lot of questions, i.e. Yeah. lost. Not a lot of shows start answering those questions as you go, and I think that this gave me a little bit of faith we were going to get something, that there was more meat on the bone agreed all right let's jump to best line of the episode sir do you have nominees
1: i do so long as you don't take all my points away because i need to hear more wonderful you have 100 points right now (laughs) i may lose them if i don't pick good quotes we'll find out uh starting early well you get used to it i mean i find it helps to focus on the effects of sleep since we don't actually get to experience it you may feel rejuvenated or happy less tense in the shoulders spry how they cope Uh, from Dylan. Okay, hazards on, eager lemur. I'm a deadlock for this quarter, so don't get your hopes up. Again, they find their ways of, you know, motivating themselves. Uh, from Helly. So, my job is to scroll through the spreadsheet and look for numbers that are scary? Dylan, it sounds dumb and Mark said it dumb. Helly. Are the numbers bloody? Do they chant? Uh, from Mark. Well, since this perceptual version of you only exists at Lumen, I mean... Quitting would effectively end your life. I mean, in so much as you've come to know it. Mark again. I was dusting the old group photos, the one, that, the, one the ones with Petey, and it just made me feel sad. And I guess I like, worried that I wouldn't be able to run MDR like he did. Dylan, that tracks. I have similar worries.
0: Same. Dylan and I have same worries.
1: Oh, indeed. Ah, uh, this is Miltrick. I think this is a good time to remind ourselves that things Oof. like deaths happen outside of here. Not here. A life at Lumen is protected from such things. And I think a great potential response to that from all of you is gratitude. Oh, okay. Which we
0: sussed out is probably a core, one of the nine core Lumen principles. 100%. Along
1: with cheer. Uh, Mark on Miltrick. Uh, you know, Milchick's a nice man. When he says something, it's best to listen. Helly, I don't care, Mark, because he can't always be nice like that. <clears> hmm. <throat> Uh, from Mark, when on his date, I think for some people it's the point. Ooh, for Mark it was. That's a good one, uh, Mark. Again, so some people can just like self-imprison. Are you a captive right now? No, seriously, because your past self chose to walk you down here to be an infantilizing prick to people. Uh, Dylan, the whole you—you you already
0: repeated it, so I won't. But Dylan's hold the sea story is lovely, from like oh, a philosophy it's great. standpoint. I—I—I I, I think if I heard that. If I was Helly, I would start asking him to fill in a lot of blanks for me. Uh, hey, my... what what does the parking lot look like outside? Can you D- please tell me what the sky looks like when we walk D- outside?
1: Dylan, tell me about the riverboat your Audi lives on. Just go.
0: Riverboat Dylan, I need to know about this guy.
1: Uh, the whole spiel from in the break room of, you know, forgive me for the harm I have caused this world. but Okay, yes, this is very much a cult, and this is very much the punishment by which cults run on. I understand. Thank but you, Chef.
0: it's clearly a company. Clearly. Because they clearly make things that people know about and, and buy in the outside world. So it's, it's a lot of Why can't it
1: be both? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a lot of things.
1: Uh, and then that one you did already, but it, it resonated with me from Helly. They were scary. The numbers were scary.
0: Mm. All right. The best line of the episode because Spencer, while this episode started to fill the world out a little bit, gave me faith that the producers of the show know where they're going, the writers of the show know where they're going. It is still episode two. We are still asking questions. The best line of the episode to me as well. Since this perceptual version of you only exist at Lumen, I mean, quitting, but effectively in your life in so much as you have come to know it. It was important for me because as I pointed out during the recap, Hadn't thought of it in those terms up until that point and kind of rocked me.
1: It it crystallized something that I should have put two and two together for, but I really hadn't. I guarantee you that he had not either. All right.
0: Let's put our, our Lumen badge on, Spencer. Let's walk down to the refinery center, the refinery hallway, which is clearly D- away D- from everybody else. All four stand up at their cubicle and look at us. We are going to award Employee of the Week. Who do you got Employee of the Week this year?
1: I am not. Admit, I'm nominating Dylan.
0: Dylan, I think, I think Dylan. About
1: we, Dylan, I think Dylan has proven his accolades. I mean, we got to see his erasers. We got to see his finger traps. We got to see his caricatures, and he is a lock, a lock, sir, for a waffle party. Plus, the man throughout wow, all of this, while that. everybody, while everybody else is distracted, while everybody else is calling in sick, while everybody else is learning how to do their jobs or drowsing. Dylan's just a grinder. Dylan's working. Dylan is doing the job and doing it well. Dylan, employee of the episode. I don't hate that call. Um, I'm happy to
0: award it. <laughs> Thank him. you. I
1: um, love the, I love how your endorsements work.
0: I'm happy to, to give it to Dylan if you want to. He's my number two this week. My number one is Irv. Irv. Uh, the, the
1: man who drowsed at his desk, who had to get an employee benefit to get through his day.
0: I don't believe that he drowsed at his, at his desk. I don't believe that's what happened. I don't believe that's what happened. What's happening to him? Mm -hmm. I think that he is fighting a unfortunate side effect of the severance procedure. And I think he's fighting it valiantly. I think he appropriately called out the Mark Burke protocol. I think he has been warm and inviting to everyone. He takes his job seriously. He cared about that picture, my friend. He got his suit just right, and he's making friends in other departments. And we know that he is a painting connoisseur. He loves the paintings. He loves all the accoutrement, all the things, the optics and design, the O and D department. He's a big fan. He's a cultured guy, And so much as any could be. I'm giving it to Earth.
1: I just don't think he has enough drive, sir. We heard him say that he does not aspire to be the new leader of this department. In the event that let me tell you something,
0: yes. As a guy who manages department, I fucking love when people say i a manager. <laughs> Fair. 100%. That's I love those people. My God. Uh, yes. Uh, you, you
1: enjoy being a sheep? I adore you. Here's an extra uh, bell for you your Yeah.
0: You're you're good not wanting to take my job? I like it. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Um, all right. All right. There you go. That's employee of the week. I think I can kick back. I think my job here is done. The people want to know. It's America's favorite segment. What are Spencer's questions of the week?
1: Uh, We already referenced this one to a certain degree. So, okay, we pondered this last episode. It is surgery. And it is surgery that apparently controls your emotions and perceptions of reality, given the whole numbers thing that they did not have previously. I'm guessing that comes from the implant in your head. So it has effects beyond just spatial you know separation the way that was described to them. So what else does it do? Does it control how you feel? Does it control your feelings of pain? Does it affect how you, you know, process reality or what aspects of memories you do and don't have curtailed exactly how they need to to make you the perfect employee? I don't know, but we're learning more and I'm taking notes as I go. Uh Okay. Mr. Egan. Clearly, he's not the founder of this company, because the company's way too damn old for that, in my mind. Mr. Egan seems like he is a more modern figure. Okay. But is he still around? We get a reference to, I think it's a Jame. I, I, I think it was a J-A... I, I didn't think it was Jamie. I think it was literally just Jame, which is gender neutral as all hell, but a Jame
0: Egan. So... It's Pat. What? Remember that movie? You remember that movie, It's Pat.
1: I don't actually know.
0: Is it SNL? You talk about a movie couldn't be made today. It was a character that the entire movie was based around trying to determine the gender of the individual.
1: (laughs) Oh god, yeah, that wouldn't, that would not fly. So I'm left to ponder whether Mr. Egan Egan is a current figure. He is a figure that set the company onto its much more culty kind of, you know, current way of being or whether he is I don't know. We have now know who Mr. Egan is. I'm curious to what degree this is a past figure or current runner. Really I can
0: I can't answer that one. Uh, okay. I can. We don't know.
1: We don't know. It is ambiguous. <laughs> we don't know at this point. Thank That's you. my answer. Fuck they off. haven't told pre- us. Pre- I appreciate the guidance that you offer me going through the very <laughs> steps of this company. Yeah, you got it. Uh Helly. Helly seems unique. Heli does not seem to be fitting in with how anybody else that they put on the severed floor is, just based on Milchick's reaction to her, also everybody else's reaction to her, of where they seem a little bit confused by her and the questions she's asking. Her experience of severance, everyone else's reactions, I wonder to what degree she is a purposely destabilizing variable by whoever's running this, you know, my theory experiment that they're engaging in, or to what degree something has gone wrong or unexpected with respect to her, or to what degree she's just simply not the appropriate mindset for someone that they need for this. More data needed, both in experiment and out. The crystal head cube. The crystal head cube seems to be a token of resentment for those that do not have the crystal head cube. In fact, only Mark got a crystal head cube. The fact that only Mark got a crystal head cube despite doing nothing to earn it is apparently a bit of a thing. I wonder to what degree he got this the moment he arrived. I wonder to what degree his, what do they refer to it as, his freshman fluke? How is it yep, Dylan called it? His freshman fluke. To what degree that that was associated with it despite the fact Dylan doesn't want to admit such. To what degree is this again meant to be a certain aspect of everything is uniform, everything is controlled, everything is disciplined. But what happens if we don't? What happens if we show a certain element of favoritism? Why is he the one that replaces Petey? Why is he the one that got this extra cube? Why does he seem to be the golden boy? I'm suspecting these are questions people like Dylan and Irving are asking, and I think they're supposed to. I think this is, again, purposefully, let's poke, let's shake the anthill a little bit and see what happens. Uh... Just a general question here. Do the resignation requests even make it to the Audis? I assume, like Kelly, no, they do not. The other ones seem to think that they do. I'm guessing that's just coping. We already talked about this, but why did Carol D leave? How did she leave? How did she know beforehand? What were her reasons? How was Lumen okay with this? What does this demonstrate the procedure was reversible or not? Does she just still have a chip in her head? And if she ever goes down to the floor, she'll be right back where she was as if no time had passed. Maybe. Was she merely moved to another department that they'll never see? And she's still on the seventh
0: floor. Ooh. Well, we know, we know Christopher Walken has at least one other person in his department.
1: And there are presumably more out there. I don't know. Uh, the dub, the whole things we get from the whole, it's whole mind collective? That's the WMC?
0: Yep, whole mind collective. Whole We're tra- mind.
1: We're trying to get a measure on the ballot to keep mega corporations like Lumen from continuing to, quote, force legalized severance on our state. Mark disputes they're forcing it now? That's what they're lobbying for. And Jame Egan is trying to sever kids. What? To, is this just propaganda? Is this just a marketing pitch to get people involved in? Or is Lumen actually trying to do this? Are they trying to get the severed procedure installed in schools? Are they trying to do it as an aspect of controlling your children? Are they trying to make it so employers could actually require this as a condition of employment? I don't know, but the words they use there are terrifying. Uh, we talked about PD being reintegrated for two weeks and what that suggests. We just talked about the issue of how many wings or departments or how many severed people are down there. Petey doesn't know, and he's been roaming for a week and a half, unsevered down there. And we discussed the concept that all of this is just a delightful send-up and satire of both of corporate culture in a way that feels so perfectly designed for me and my own work experiences that I'm just eating it up.
0: I wondered how you'd have a reaction, because obviously I think... I have a certain Dylan mindset it's, to corporate culture
1: and it works well for me.
0: Well, I was also wondering like, you know, this, this show very clearly is making a statement about how corporations treat people and how employers treat people. Yes. And, and workers not being treated well or being overworked or whatever. And I kind of wondered how you'd have a reaction to that. Like, um, you feel personally attacked. Do you laugh at it all from the corner as as a sort of abstract entity above it all? Because I I feel like I'm I'm reveling in it, like every little thing, like the fact that they brand the coffee. My company brands our coffee. If you go you go to our our company fucking cafeteria, you're getting company name coffee. You don't get Starbucks coffee. Like little shit like that, I'm noticing and reveling in.
1: I, I wanted to talk to you about that because I've now eaten in your company cafeteria and that made me giggle when I saw it.
0: Yeah, it, it, we brand everything. Um, so it's very strange it's very interesting how they're they're co- they're pulling those little things out that like if you if you do live in one of these big yeah. big corporate entities you'll you'll, you'll notice maybe.
1: I told you this before that, you know, when it comes to lawyer jokes, no one likes them more than lawyers. Same, same, same mindset with respect to this satire of corporate culture. Living in corporate culture, I'm laughing my ass off with respect to this. It's like, oh, that's that thing. It's that thing. I've yeah. done that. I've seen that. It's, it's the perfect satire in that regard because it's not only biting commentary. It's a fun also aspect of, you know, shared and slash coping experience for those that are in it.
0: But I do think that, that they're, they're jumping. They're doing more than just that. They're also talking about cognition and what it means to be alive and what it it means to have experience and asking bigger questions like that, which I'm sure we will get to in future weeks. Spencer, anything else you want to say as we wrap up this episode of Lumen Industries Radio?
1: Now, as you said, the fun thing with the Mysteries Box is that it needs to not only just give you questions, it also needs to give you answers and also show how those answers lead to more questions and lead to a deeper mystery. So many mystery boxes don't do that successfully or don't give you to suggest. Lost. lost is one of the most infamous examples, I feel, of where any hopes that you had that they had answers to their questions were dashed as you they went on have, deeper. They into the They had no show.
0: answers. They were asking questions they didn't have answers to. They were doing things of what would be cool, what
1: would make people ask questions rather than pondering out what those answers might be or what a, a acceptable sense of a world would be. This world is surreal as all hell. It is warped as all hell. It is disconcerting as all hell. But there seem to be rules behind it in a way that I find so fascinatingly well done so far. And I'm eager to see more.
0: I'm really glad you're enjoying it, my friend. I am absolutely enjoying going through this with you. It might be my favorite podcast we've ever done. I say that all the time, but like this, this one really, I mean, I was pushing hard for it. I get to watch you see it every week and experience it with you. It is a fucking blast. I can't wait to be back next week with Episode 3 of our coverage here on Lumen Industries Radio. Spitzer, I think it's time that we badge out, we hit our lockers, and we go down the elevator. What do you think? Do I have any points reserved for next time? You're still at a 100 points. All right, that's us. We're checking out. We're leaving staggered, but we're leaving. See you next week for Episode 3.